Boom. Hello and welcome to the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast with your host, Byron Rogers. This podcast is dedicated to the executive protection practitioner, the private security professional. In this podcast, we're going to talk about the mental, emotional, psychological, physiological fitness that goes into being an efficient and effective executive protection agent. Whether you're in law enforcement, whether you're a mom that's looking at how to protect your children or a father that's focused on how to protect his family. I believe this podcast has something for all of you. We might even get into some tales from the crypts of true Hollywood stories from time to time. I'm doing this podcast because I feel the reality of this job is simple. If you really want to be good at executive protection, it's more than just a job. It really is a lifestyle. And those of you who've been in the game for any serious amount of time, you already know what I'm saying is true. So if that sounds interesting to you, Enjoy the show. Out. Boom. Yo, special announcement. We've got the very first Protector Symposium coming up this November 15th and 16th. Check the website, Byron Rogers Motivation, for more information about it. You can purchase tickets there. It's going to be amazing. We've got Ed Caldron and Yosef Badu coming on to teach us some hardcore soft skills. Check it out. Get involved. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. We're going to have a great time leveling up as protector. So check the website, ByronRogersMotivation.com or ExecutiveProtectionLifestyle.com for all the details and to purchase you and your security detail, police department, or families tickets out. Boom. Hey, what's going on, you guys? Welcome to another episode of the Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. I have got a guest with me today. And uh, it is quite an honor to have him with me. Uh, I've got the well-known Jerry Hine with me. How are you doing today, Jerry? Real good, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on. Absolutely. Absolutely. I feel kind of, it's an interesting feeling because most of my career, I've been working, <laughs> you know? So I I don't really know, I, I haven't really gotten to hit the training circuit, you know? Um, and I haven't really gotten to meet a lot of like the who's who in the industry. And I, I don't know, when I met you at the uh, Close Protection Conference, I was kind of like, you know, this gentleman feels like someone <laughs> real important. <laughs> uh, and always I, I try to lead with respect, but I, I was just honored to be able to meet you and shake your hand and all the stuff for the contributions you've made to the industry. So I want to say that. Well, I've, I've been fortunate. I've been in the industry 40 years. Yeah. Um, I like to remind people, I got in be- before Al Gore invented the internet, uh, <laughs> yes, and uh, before cell phones. Um, so, I mean, we used uh, string with cans and... Golly. Uh, so I've been around a long time, and I feel fortunate uh, to be in the industry. So uh, I'm just happy to be here. Hey, Awesome. So like for me, it's hard to even, and it sounds, I don't even want to say it, but (laughs) it's hard to imagine doing this work without technology, without a cell phone, without a map, a digital map that's telling me everything I need to know. That's, I mean, wow. You know, I don't know, real quick, like what, what was it? Was it a different feeling? Was it a, we'll get it. We have, we have an itinerary, but just real quick, like if you were going to describe it briefly. What would you say the major, most major changes were or the major standout things were? 
Well, our, our advanced work was a lot more tedious. Um, we couldn't do in a way too much pre-advance. We, we couldn't go to Google Earth. We couldn't go to the internet and scour things. So we had to use a telephone and call people. Uh, you had to use your imagination um, in terms of, you know, for example, I'm going to London and I'm staying at a particular hotel. You know, I would call a contact in London and, and then they would tell me about it. And generally we would hope that we would have more time to go there um, to physically gather that information. A lot of phone calls um, to gather information and faxes. Um, you know, I was around when fax machines came out, I guess. <laughs> but, um, you know, it was, it was a lot more, but that's the way life was at that time. So you didn't, you know, looking back, it sounds like, or we would think, you know, how could we have done it then? We we live without cell phones. We use landlines and we just didn't have the internet. And uh, I mean, boy, even early days of internet where you had dial up and, you know, would take a lot more time and there was a lot less information available, but that's the way it was. And that's how you, how you did things. It's, um, so, you know, at that time, that's the way it was. Even now, I'm sure with all the apps we have in 10 years, uh, some new guys coming into the industry will will say, oh, my God, how could you <laughs> do it with 4G, you know, or 5G phones or, you know, um, you, you know, yeah. just what we have now, they'll probably, you know, laugh about it. But, um, you know, that's the way it was. We, we had huge walkie-talkies. We called them bricks because they were bricks, big Motorola MXs, and we didn't trust them. Yeah. Trusted line of sight uh, better. You know, if, if you're around the corner of a building, you thought, you know, I might not get the signal. Let me go see where I can see the car, you know, so. Wow. Different time. Yeah. Different. You know, and then as technology came along, you, you adapted, you uh, you, you know, I remember I was the cat's meow when I had a tri-band cell phone, you know, to go into South America with, and it still gave you fits, you know, it still, it was tough. Um, it's what a joy now. One phone, you could travel. I went to China just recently. I was in Japan. Um, you know, one cell phone. Oh my God. It, it's just amazing. <laughs> Yeah, that's a that's definitely it's a lot to think about. But I guess because you're living your life that way, to do the work that way isn't so much of a stretch. And it's interesting that you've been around long enough to see those changes. So you like, you know, won't be shocked when like there's some other young buck in another decade or so that's like yelling like amazed at us because we're cell phones are like dial up to him, right? <laughs> you know, it's like, you know, it's uh that's interesting, man. I guess it's just, you know, it's the same, probably the same type of um, improvise, overcome and adapt type of mentality just during a different period of time, I guess. And we just don't know how good we have it, probably. <laughs> sure. I mean, boy, has it become easier with technology? Yeah. Uh, I mean, Internet, cell phones, my pre-advances, you know, collecting information, Google Earth, uh, you know, it's just amazing. Um, you know, now thinking back or without that, it it would be, you know, tough. But 
you didn't have it, you didn't know you didn't have it. <laughs> yeah, you didn't know any better. Colbert always says, we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> you know? Uh, exactly, exactly. Okay. That's awesome. Who would you say you are at, at your core, sir? Well, you know, I introduced myself as a C-minus high school graduate, a former hippie ski bum. Yeah. You, you know, that, and, and I introduced myself that way now. You know, so I'm a laid back guy. I'm, I'm easygoing. Um, I try to avoid stress. You know, so I'm I'm just a relaxed, easy, easygoing person. I try to give, you know, the benefit of the doubt um, for folks. And I know, you know, people are human. So I, I you know, I'm tolerant of, of mistakes if, if they're innocent mistakes. But when somebody repeats mistakes or something like that. But I don't put a lot of airs in who I am. You know, sometimes people say, oh, my God, you know, Jerry, you own EPI and, you know, around all this time. Yeah, I'm old. And, you know, I've. Those things. Uh, I've taken a lot of training and things like that, but I'm just a laid back, easygoing guy. That's me. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. You have a very uh, gracious kind of aura to you, you know, that I'm, I'm thinking that's probably tempered by a lot of experience and seeing things and seeing people try hard and seeing things rise and fall probably. You know, I, I, one thing that um, shaped my uh, who I am. I, I was an angry young kid. I, I was a military brat. Uh, I was the youngest, um, you know, I thought I had a tough growing up. I got into positive thinking and one book uh, changed my life. It was Think and Grow Rich uh, by yeah. Hill. My brother introduced me to it and almost on a lark, I applied some positive thinking once in a very negative situation. And the situation completely, you know, the, the outcome was completely changed. And I, I, I'm like, wow, that, that, this is pretty cool. And so I, I really got into it. And I, I believe that's helped me tremendously positive thinking. Uh, I, I always try to think positive in any given situation. Uh, and I think as a protector in high stress situations and with, you know, affluent people and powerful businessmen and religious leaders and, you know, the people we protect, uh, you have to be positive. You have to find positive solutions. You have to, um, you know, if, if you get negative uh, about anything, it'll just suck you down. So that's yes, it will. I tell people I'm easy going. Um, you know, I can be in a really high stress environment and people look at me and say, Jerry, how can you be so relaxed? And I'm, and my answer is, I choose to be relaxed. Uh, I choose. You know, it's so good. <laughs> it's beautiful. I that's something that I, I I I agree with you wholeheartedly, and I've tried. It's really it can be difficult to communicate because it's just as simple as a decision, and a lot of things that are just as simple as a decision, people feel like, well, how do you just you you really just have to make this decision, <laughs> you know? Um, and that's just as you know, it's like wisdom is simple but difficult, kind of. I'm so happy to hear you say that because that's that's one of my, you know, I you're responsible for your emotions. And I the best guys to work with are the ones that, you know, when Murphy pops out of the trunk with an ice pick and a baseball bat and he's like ruining everything that you tried to do, you know, for the client, uh, the guys that are like, OK, prioritize, execute, 
and let's have a good time doing this and let's just you know let's if it's circus time let's do the circus thing uh those guys are the best guys to work with <laughs> you know, you know I had a, and for the client I too i feel I, I was teaching a class in puerto rico and i talked about murphy and mm-hmm. see you know i don't know that they know who murphy is so i kind of explained a circumstance where you prepare everything's perfect and and then somebody comes along and and they were kind of like, oh, okay. So we went out to do a practical exercise. It's all perfect set up. And then a box truck came in right where we were training. So I pointed and I said, Murphy. And they said, ah, <laughs> Murphy's a truck driver. <laughs> Today, Murphy's a truck driver. Oh, but, man. But they got the idea, you know, and and I people too, you know what? Invite Murphy because he's coming. You oh, know, yeah. Him being there, you know know he's going to show up mm-hmm. and contingency plan for Murphy. Um, don't be baffled because Murphy, you know, reared his ugly head. You, you know, Murphy's coming, you, you know, for <laughs> a wrench in your works. So you invite him, you expect him. And then if he doesn't show up, you look around and say, where was Murphy? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a good day. It's a lucky day. You know, you expect it. No, I, I completely agree with you. Uh, how did you get into executive protection? How did that well, happen? That's part of the, I think, uh, you know, the ski bum thing. I tell people in order to um, support my skiing habit as a ski bum, I got into construction, um, found my way out to New York, and I uh, ended up managing an estate, uh, and the estate had a prominent individual. So being on the estate when the um, principal had uh, a lot of notable people would come, heads of state, former heads of state, uh, former presidents. Um, when when these people would come, the security staff would ask me to suit up, kind of join them and, uh, you know, being the estate manager, you have the keys to the kingdom. So I would, I knew all the buildings and I would, you know, go and check out the pool rooms and, help do the sweeps. And then typically I doubled up on post. Um, and then from that project, uh, I end up managing a high rise building in Midtown Manhattan. And that building had high security and security came under me. So when notable people came, I would often jump in. And, and at a certain point in time, I realized, you know what, I like security. And so I went from property management into building or security management. So first I got into management. I was, wasn't doing executive protection, but I supported uh, executive protection teams, you know, coming in and around the, the building. And, and then also at a certain point, they asked me, um, they were having a conference and would you head up the security for the conference? And so then I started overseeing uh, that. And then a, a spot opened up on one of the details. And so I went out and, you know, I jumped on a detail and, I, I got a little bit of training. Uh, I went to the International Chiefs of Police, a 40-hour course, and I was a member of the International Chiefs of Police to do law enforcement liaison as part of my security management role. And then through um, so through those contacts, I was able to go through their program. And then eventually, you know, I got into, you know, I, I made my way to EPI, but that's kind of my transition. I uh, went from construction management into property management into uh, security management. And, and then, you know, I got into EP and 
and then I started my own company. So it's been a long ride. Wow. So law enforcement, military? Um, military brat. I had a mission <laughs> and, um, you know, I grew up in military bases and um, my father is a colonel in the Air Force. And um, I had rheumatic fever when I was seven. And as I was growing up, uh, they said, you'll probably be 4F because I was in the Vietnam War time. And so I just waited for the draft um, and I had a very high draft number. I thought, oh, wow, look at that. Um, you know, <laughs> it worked out. I didn't have to, to go to. Well, that's why I became a hippie ski bum. Uh, I didn't know what <laughs> to do with myself. Thought about joining a few times. I was patriotic, yeah. Uh, you know, military family, so that was a problem. And and then I found myself in New York. Um, got involved in security, and I and almost everybody in security in New York came out of law enforcement. And I thought, geez, I guess I have to do a stint in in the law enforcement. So I decided, you know, I'll join NYPD. And I went down and applied, and they said you're too old. I was, oh man, you were old back then, though. <laughs> Twenty-eight years old. Uh, really? At that time, you had to have taken the test before your twenty-eighth birthday, and I was actually twenty-seven. But the next test w- would have been after my twenty-eighth birthday. And interesting, someone said, "Well, take the test, be denied, and then later on, if they pass the, uh, you know, they if they extend it." then they have to give you retro pay and, and retro time and things like that. And I was a part-time, you know, I did auxiliary police in New York. I worked out of Midtown South um, and, and we did patrol in, in uh, Midtown Manhattan. And so I actually prepared and, um, you know, I kind of look forward to it, but I'll, I'll tell you, I had an uh, interesting experience. Mm-hmm. Before the test at 2 a.m. in the morning, I woke up and I'm dating myself. You had to have a punch card. Uh, to go to the test. It was a computer punch card. They said, you have to have this card. Hmm. Woke up and I, and I, where's all my papers? And I had come back from the precinct and there was a situation and I helped out some uh, police officers and I put my paper on top of a car. So at two o'clock in the morning, I went down and I found all my papers except the punch card. But at two o'clock in the morning, I stood at the crossroads. Yeah. And I looked in the future and I said, you know, my plan was I'm going to go in NYPD five years, take the sergeant's exam and then and then leave, you know, become a sergeant and then, and then transition out and go into private. And so the law enforcement was always to support, you know, private. I, that was my goal. And I stood at the crossroads at two o'clock in the morning on a street in Manhattan and I said, if I go this path, is that the path I want to go? And if I go this path, you know, I'm probably going to stay on that path. I'm, you know, I get into things. I'm, I'm, you know, I, I invest myself and I thought, you know what, if I go down this path, I'll, I'll become the sergeant. Next thing you know, Lieutenant, Captain, you know, and, and I thought, is, is that what I want to do? I thought I really want to do private security. So I made a decision. I didn't take the test. And funny thing was when they did pass the law and extend, age uh, i would have had seven years back pay oh i would have been able to take the sergeant's exam right out of the academy and and because i would have already had time in but you know what i don't have any regrets i look back i i laugh at it and i think you know what this was my path i i chose the path to do private security 
Um, I've been doing this now 40 years. Um, you know, I really made the transition in 1970. Uh, well, in 77, I started taking, getting involved in security, but 79, I made a decision. This is my path. So in 40 years, and I've owned my own company now 30 years. And uh, also, you know, I was able to take over ownership of EPI in 2009. And that's, I'm very passionate about that. So I have no regrets. Um, you know, I would have liked to have served in the military, I think, because it's an honorable thing. Uh, yeah. And, and being a military brat and, a, um, you know, but it just wasn't in my cards. Um, and same thing, you know, would have been nice to have a little bit of law enforcement, uh, my background, but um, I'm happy. I'm happy with the path I chose. Uh, you know, I'm happy with the outcome and, and here I am <laughs> talking uh. to you. <laughs> yeah, no, that's beautiful. I the reason I ask is because I get contacted a few times uh, a week, and people are like, "Hey, do I need to have? You know, I really want to get into the industry, but I I don't know if I need to have military or law enforcement. Can I do it with military or law enforcement without?" And I'm like, "Absolutely." So I'm trying to on the podcast. Like, there's so many people. The guy that got me in, a bunch of our guests, yourself. I'm like. Ladies and gentlemen, really, you just kind of have to have a heart to be willing and be able-bodied enough, you know, have the right heart and, and mind and be able to, you know, learn some techniques some tactics, some social dynamics and like, and do the job. Just get out there the same way you'd enter the military or law enforcement, you know? No, I, I meet young people now and I said, oh my God, um, what it would be like to be young getting into this industry, Um and, I, and for years, I've been telling people, I'm a testimony to the fact that you don't have to do law enforcement or military. Mm -hmm. uh, absolutely honorable professions. Um, absolutely. I, I, I admire people that, that uh, provide, you know, serve the country uh, in the military um, and also did law enforcement. And law enforcement nowadays is incredibly tough. Oh, my God. That's a service. That's a um, serious you know, to, service. To go into law enforcement. But no, I meet a lot of young people and I and I'm like, oh, my God, where you can go. And I just trained um, in Puerto Rico. We had a, a program and one of our graduates and instructor, uh, he had two sons. Uh, one was I think is 21. The other's 20. And, you know, they went through the training and I said, oh, my God, you are so fortunate to get in at, at such a young age. Um I mean, there have been times where I've had um, celebrities uh, that are young. I mean, I, I had uh, some twins uh, that when I first began providing service for them, they were 15. Mm. And it was tough. I, it, 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 it was not easy to have, uh, say, retired cops or uh, people. That they, I mean, originally they called me grandpa and I got them to change that to uncle. <laughs> can it be uncle can it just be and this uncle? is like 15 years ago okay so i was you know i, I was a lot younger yeah to them and i had to look for young trendy people mm -hmm. um so i wasn't looking for retired cops i wasn't looking for you know so i had to be real mindful and you know i took care of them until they were 19 um and then transitioned to you know, they went in-house and things like that but <laughs> I was happy because I had a cancellation letter on my desk that I was ready to sign any time, you know. <laughs> yeah. But even now, um, you know, I took care of a private family. They just did a trip to the Mediterranean and mm -hmm. you know, 
be mindful. I, I, you know, the age of people, um, you know, coming in, that's why I'm excited when I meet young people and that, that are looking to do this. And I, I'm like, wow, you have an incredible opportunity in front of you. And, and they often still ask, do I need military? Do I need law enforcement? So that's a plus, but no, you, um, you know, this is what you want to do and do it. You know, so. Exactly. I agree 100%. EPI, can you talk a little bit about that? Just let everyone know what it is and, you know, get the sure. word out a little well, bit. Not that it needs you know, Executive Protection Institute was founded by uh, Dr. Richard W. Kobetz uh, in 1978. He was a Chicago police officer and uh, eventually um, he worked for Mayor Daley on the mayor's protective detail. Um, he was requested, I believe, to uh, go to the International Association of Chiefs of Police to assist with uh, training, developing training programs. So he took a leave uh, from Chicago, went to the IACP, and now this is in, I think, the late 60s, early 70s. And one program that he worked on that really impacted him was providing protective services for um, diplomats, dignitaries. And a little bit about the IACP, it's, um, it's an organization to help police chiefs around the world, international. And several friends of mine were police chiefs and they had small departments. And so they don't have a lot of resources. So when we think of police departments, when I think of NYPD with 38,000 cops, but some departments, a friend of mine was a chief and he, you know, he had uh, just a half a dozen officers. Uh, another uh, friend of mine in West Virginia was a chief and he was also the fire chief. I mean, he, he had dual role but they had to deal with with meth labs and things like that and 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 uh, making arrests. Uh, so the IACP was instrumental in and is instrumental in helping small departments. So Doc began to study executive protection and what's available and realized that there wasn't uh, a great deal of of publicly available training for the private sector. On, and so as he developed uh, an executive protection training program for the IACP, um, then he made a decision, you know what, I think uh, there's a real need for this. So in 1978, he founded EPI or uh, formally. And what we're, EPI is best known for is a seven-day program um, that encompasses about 100 hours of training um, it's, there's a lot of people will imitate the, a seven day program, but, um, doc has always brought in a number of subject matter expert instructors. Um, you know, so we start on Sunday night, um, introductions and we get right into it, finish Saturday afternoon, put about a hundred hours of training in. It's done twice a year, every May and October. Uh, we've been doing that since 1978 until, uh, in fact, we have a class coming up in October. And so um, there's been more than 3,000 graduates, I think, um, you know, probably. And, and it's been held in other countries, uh, too. So that's, and I went through in 1996 and was kind of raptured by it. And um, I, I, a, a short story is that when I went in, I'd already worked in several countries. I mean, I was like... A, been there, done that. I worked in Bangkok and, you know, uh, London and Paris and 
So I went in thinking, you know, I know everything about executive protection. Mm -hmm. And I had a very humbling experience because the very first detail that I went out on, within 10 minutes, the principal, who was the instructor, took a time out and looked at me and said, Jerry, what the hell are you doing? (laughs) Oh, boy. Here we go. (laughs) Detail just started falling apart. And um, it, I was I was very humbled. So after I graduated, and I always tell people that's a clue. Um, I went to Doc Kobetz and I said, Doc, I want to be a part of this. And I was humbled again because he looked at me and said, who the hell do you think you are? And I said, Doc, I, uh, I want to be a part of this. I'm going to I give out sandwiches. I'll sweep the floors. I'll be a gopher. I just really want to be a part of this. And so uh, fortunately, uh, Doc did a program every uh, January in New York, and I began hosting him. And probably out of pity, he gave me an, uh, an instruction block or two to, to see what I could do. And um, anyway, after a short time, uh, he said, you know, why don't you come down to the seven day? And um, I, I was very fortunate to become an instructor, um, you know, at, at the seven day with EPI. And then, you know, interesting enough, uh, in 2009, he, he said, uh, Jerry, I'm getting old and, uh, you know, can you take over the school? And I said, wow, uh, it'd be a privilege. And, uh, you know, so I, I was able to take over the ownership of the school and, uh, this is my 10th year of operating EPI now. So, uh, you know, and what was important to me was I felt Doc had created a legacy. Uh, I said, Doc, I, I want to continue your legacy. Um, he might have found, say, a corporation that might buy the school, but if, uh, you know, if it didn't work out, they just shelve it or shut it down. Yeah, not really care. We have an alumni association we call the Nine Lives Associates, NLA members, and we wear the black cat pin. So a lot of times we say we're black cats or, um, you know, NLA members. And we're really proud of that, you know, to be a fraternity of graduates of seven day. And I, if, you know, if the school closes, what's going to happen to the NLA? And, um, you know, I really felt like I wanted to keep that going, keep his legacy. And uh, when, when people come through the program, they often have um, somewhat of a life changing experience. It really touches them. It really impacts their life. Um we had a, a director VP for a major insurance company up in Connecticut, and he would send people and they would come back and say, oh, my God, uh, the, the training was unbelievable. And he was like, oh, my God, it's training. Oh, my God. <laughs> he, he came himself. And on the last day, he got out in front of the class and with tears, he said, you know, I, I didn't know about this. And I questioned it and I came through and. Oh my God, uh, it, it impacted him. And um, we put a lot of energy into it, a lot of heart. Um, there's a philosophy at EPI. We probably emphasize a little more of the soft skills and what we say, facilitating the needs of the client, bringing the added value. Uh, if, if you're only there in case something happens, you're like a spare tire in a trunk. You know, like, oh, hey, we got a spare tire if we have a flat, you yeah. know. That's what Jerry's for. You know, if something yeah. happens, you know, hopefully there's yeah, air there and, you know, <laughs> uh, hopefully you can change it. So um, you, you got to bring added value. You have to do more. 
And so that, you know, we have a philosophy about that and also how we carry ourselves in, in, in front of clients. And, you know, it's not about us. Uh, we're really the gray men in the shadows. And so it's a little bit about API. Yeah, that is awesome. I love like the depth that I feel like, like it, it's like not just, like, it, there, there seems like there's like, it almost sounds like you explain it like it's like a, like a martial art, you know, like there's like a whole paradigm and there's like a culture around it. Like it, I'm sitting here and I'm like, really? No. I, uh, I've been doing some reviews on some trainings. I love to make it out there to hang with y'all at some point. Um, that's. Yeah, I'd love to have uh, you. Awesome. Thank you. October. I'll send you the date. <laughs> yeah, right. That's uh, my birthday month too. I might be able to get away with some things. <laughs> um, that's outstanding. I uh, and I have heard that around the industry about um, the training and that it was just a lot more than just training and that it was like a almost like a, an emotional kind of spiritual experience. And I was like, I did the same thing my buddy did. I was like, time out, bro. Really? And he was like, Yeah, man. Like. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. That's awesome. A lot of emphasis on the art of avoidance. You know, all your all your advance work, all your pre-planning is to not to have any difficulty, not to have any trouble, not to. So, I mean, that's the total emphasis. And, you know, within martial arts, uh, most true martial artists, uh, for example, uh, don't want to fight. And, right. and we, we apply a lot of sung su, uh, you know, a battle not fought is a battle... Uh, so we don't want to have to fight the fights. Um, you know, we want to avoid the fights and we want to prepare uh, the best that we can that nothing goes wrong. It's flawless. Um, and, you know, so that's and and also understanding risk management. What is risk? Uh, vulnerabilities. Um, how do you manage risk um, you know, like that? And and just how you can facilitate, you know, greater value to the to the client. Uh there is that absolute possibility that we may have to use defensive tactics or or firearms. Uh, uh, you know, we do have additional programs uh, to our seven day. We have a, a defensive tactics program we call DT for EP and protection response tactics. So it's tactics in response to you know we're not a, the aggressor. If somebody a fan or something comes running up, you have to respond to that. Uh, our instructor, Alan Baker, uh, has 19 black belts. When we met him, um, yeah. <laughs> Jeez, golly. his right. whole life from an early age was martial arts. And he, he's sensei, he's the, the Sifu, you know, that, uh, and he came to us and we explained to him that we, we were borrowing different things, you know, uh, police tactics, uh, military combatives, things like that. Um, especially when I took over and, and we said we'd like to design a new system. And he took a look at all the different arts um, and and he asked a lot of questions to practitioners. And, you know, one of our instructors, he worked in Hollywood for may, many years, I think 15 years with all the A-listers. So he was in that environment. Uh, I've been with diplomats and religious leaders and you know, and so we ask all the practitioners, a number of our instructors uh, protect governors and, you know, we're, you know, governors detailed. And he came up with three basic components. And one is soft controls, a hidden force, and then, uh, you know, dealing with just assault tactics, you know, when it, when it 
goes down. Mm-hmm. But and what he discovered in talking to all these different practitioners, the most most of the time we're using what we call soft controls. We're just controlling people, uh, an aggressive fan, an excited fan. Mm-hmm. Some, you know, they they've lost their mind because they saw the their you know their idol, the person love, or I mean the celebrity they love. And it's just a matter of controlling them, maintaining them, and 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 redirecting them. And then sometimes we have to use a little hidden force. We have to wake them up because they're in La La Land, and you, you know and and one is in today's age, everything we do is is under scrutiny. There's camera on us. There's people. It's, it it could be live streaming or it's going viral. So we have to be so mindful of how ears that how we're dealing with somebody, even if they're being aggressive or. And another consideration is we're facing people that are studying MMA. Um, you know, MMA is a sport. And was in a club, yeah. and somebody comes up, and they've they've had a few, and you know they think that they you know they know something or two because they've been working out with MNA. So we have to know we may be dealing with somebody that that you know has been studying MMA. So how do you <laughs> deal with that uh, yet and not be the aggressor? When the good thing about MMA is sport based and. Mm-hmm. We're not sport based, you know, but nonetheless, we have to be mindful of that camera, that ever present camera. Um, and we want to diffuse that, um, you know, the best that we can. And obviously, we we only want to use physical force when it's necessary. So mm-hmm. um, we have a firearms program called a protector's pistol course. And my, I'm the chief instructor. And my emphasis is precision, precision shooting. So we start out very slow and methodical. We put up one inch dots and we work on getting people to put every round in the same hole. Uh, we have a new technique and methodology that we've increased. Most anybody comes to our program, we can increase their ability. You know, we get some people we, where we tell them we're gonna put up a one inch dot and you're gonna put every round in that hole. And they pull us aside and say, I've been shooting for 20 years, I can't do that. And say, well, put yeah. a try. And very quickly, sometimes even with, within literally minutes, we we can dial people in to be able to focus on that. And outstanding. Uh, we we have a, a very fun training method. Uh, I get to work the trigger. People call me the trigger meister. Um, the trigger meister. <laughs> oh, I'll have them hold the firearm and and line the sights, and then I work the trigger, and uh, that that's very telling. <laughs> yeah. The gun works, it's trigger work, you know. Um, what would you say, um, why do you do what you do? Well, you kind of explained why you, I mean. Well, it's a passion, and I, yeah. I believe this is a very honorable profession. Um, I'm not also mystical about the Ronin and, you know, Samurai and things like that, but um, mm-hmm. just I think modern-day protectors uh, were underappreciated. Um, by some, but, but, you know, I've worked with some private families now for, you know, 30 more years and uh, they appreciate, uh, you and, um, you know, it's nice. I just, um, manage a detail and I send people to, uh, the Mediterranean and I asked a client, did you want to provide a tip on, she said, I'd be more than happy to give them $5,000 each for, you know, the, the trip. And I was like, 
oh, I wish I was on the trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, that, that's and and very grateful, very grateful um, to be you know provide that that quality of service. So um, you know I'm passionate, and um, when I took over EPI, uh, that was especially satisfying for me. You know I'm a little bit older now, and I'm thinking you know what am I going to do into retirement? I'm I don't work uh, so much myself anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I have some clients that ask me and. We just did a, a big event where we had a, quite a number of uh, celebrity uh, performers and things like that. And I went, but I felt like a bump on a log. Uh, you know, my staff knows everything. And I'm like, I'm, I'm just here to help out. You know, does somebody need relief? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But, but the training is, I think I'm, you know, passionate about. And, you know, I'm a founding board member of the IPSB, the, you know, the International Protective Security Board. Um, and so I'm passionate about that too. I think that you know we have an annual conference, and uh, this is our fourth year. And the IPSB came from uh, something I created called EPIC, the Executive Protection International Conference, which was an extension of our alumni uh, conference that EPI had for its uh, you know alums. Um, when I took over EPI, I uh, asked Doc I'd like to open the conference up and. He said, no, I don't know if that's a good idea. And so uh, I asked him about inviting guests and he said, yeah, I can invite guests. So I went on social media and said, you want to be my guest? Mm -hmm. And so we had, we had 85 people come and that was a lot more than normal. And and we went public and, you know, 105, 135. And then we partnered with another school, ESI, continued the Epic for four years got to a point where we just under 200 attendees and a bunch of folks came together and said, Hey, Jerry, I think it's time to extend it beyond two schools hosting this. And that's when we created the IPSB and uh, they were getting ready for our fourth uh, close protection conference. And, and besides the conference, uh, we're looking at what else can we do? And one thing that we're, we're heading towards is helping to develop standards and guidelines for our profession so outstanding that's something i'm excited about so absolutely 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 that's good that's all that's awesome stuff that's i mean that's all of it man the uh you know that it has to be a passion it's been a life journey you know and uh, one of the things that i'm also very passionate about is bringing you know the honor back i don't know it needs to be brought back but just the, if I really feel like it's an honorable service that men have been rendering since, and women have been rendering since the beginning of time. Um, and I just really, I see that value and I, and I really want to contribute to the industry in a way that fellow practitioners can have the standards that I want to help develop, um, a more efficient, more effective, respectable, uh, professional. I want to contribute to that, you know, so that's one of the reasons why I love doing this is just getting kind of information out there for guys. Cause I remember I had to figure it out, you know, my, on my first detail at 21 straight out of Marine Corps, you know, client was like, you know, pluck, like this guy can do it. And I'm like, I mean, you know, I've been to Iraq, like I, I fight somebody, you know, like I had to mature into this whole thing. And by the grace of God, it worked out you know, and I still speak with that client. We're very close to this day after 10 years, but, uh, 
yeah, I really want guys out in the field that be able to have resources and kind of the same types of things, standards and places to go and look for some guidance. What would you say? So that's, it's just awesome to hear you talk about protectors and all that stuff got me fired up. Um, what would you say about the, uh, what does it take to uh, truly make it in the executive protection industry? Or if, if like what kind of characteristics, you know, or if you were going to maybe describe like the perfect agent, you know, in some way, but like, what do you think it really takes to, to do well in this industry? Well, I mean, one thing that impacted my life again was the positive thinking. And um, I, I think also um, I shared the, the story of being humbled at, at EPI. And I share that in front of every class at the very beginning of every class is that standing. And part of a continuation of that story was that I made a determination to be a student of this profession, to always be a student, so good, always be learning. And so, and I, I mentioned, and we, we have people that are heading up governor's details, or we, we have people in major corporations and people coming in that, you know, just came off a detail in a CEO, but I'm like, you know, take your your EP hat off and put your student hat on and, you know, and, and learn. And so one thing that I encourage is, I mean, every detail is a learning opportunity. Um, you know, I don't think you can ever get to a point to say, you know, I know everything. I've done everything. I've been there, done that. I know it all. I mentioned early on in this, this podcast that uh, Doc Kobit said, we don't know what we don't know. Uh, and the older I get, the less I know. I mean, um, I myself at, at how much I don't know and how I'm, I'm learning and always try to be learning. Um, you know, I enjoy your podcasts and and I like also Thank you. executive protection lifestyle. It is a lifestyle. I think it's and, and you, you equate, I think, some martial arts values. And I think uh, a, a lot of us do. It's uh, the honor. Um you know, the three words that we use a lot at EPI is integrity, honor, and honesty. And there are some negative elements within our industry that we do have to deal with there, you know, um, and then that's why when, when people come through EPI, we actually ask them to pledge and, and as a graduate to be honorable. And if, if you do something dishonorable and another graduate, you know, makes a complaint, you may be removed from uh, the, the uh, alumni um, because you've done something uh, that dishonored your members and uh, you're not in good standing. Um, I love that. It's a little and, more accountability. So yeah, I think, good. you know, we, we, we do need, and one thing I'm passionate about too with the I, IPSB um, and setting standards and guidelines, we're the ones in the industry doing it. And, you know, so we have to mold and guide our industry. Who better to do it than us? I mean, there are some other organizations and they put together a committee and say, hey, come up with some standard guidelines and they issue them out. And, and but we might be like, <laughs> you know, we, we know this industry, this is what we're doing. But I think a big part of it is that ethic, the ethics and uh, the honor. Um, and, and it's up to us to make sure that it's honorable and uh, we, we remain honorable. And, 
you know, I think it is a lifestyle. So I, you know, I like, I like that. Uh, uh, that. Mindset. You know, part of my hippie ski bum roots too, is I tell mm-hmm. people, um, I didn't make this up, but we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So, yeah, you know, we're more than, than, you know, just EP practitioners. There's a lot more and a lot more of our life impacts others and, and things like that. Um, yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. And I appreciate that. Cause it, you know, I, I, I start seeing differences in different agents. And then I think about like the way that I live my life and the things that I'm doing, like, you know, I, I was training all morning this morning and I'm always listening to books and I'm always learning. And it's like, you know, if you really want to be good at this, I mean, you, it really, like, it really requires a lifestyle. You can't just punch the clock and be like, all right, now I'm going to be a protector and I'm going to do this right. Like, and then I'm going to go home. Like, it's just not going to work. And you just don't do anything, you know, like your phys, everything from your physical fitness to the, the ment- the mind understanding, you know, how to navigate these things. Cause I mean, you're going to see crazy things. You're going to be given access, way more access than people have. If your character is not even sharp enough, you're going to ruin it. Uh, social dynamics, you're going to be in these circles with high-powered individuals. Some of them are going to be gatekeepers. You're going to be in the king's court all of a sudden. You know, you go from the barracks in the Marine Court to the king's court. You know what I mean? Thank God my mom taught me manners. Thank the Lord. My mom just like spanked me and taught me respect. Those two things... You know, you raise your kids how you want, ladies and gentlemen. But those two things, they they uh, they really got me here in a lot of ways, and the grace of God. But there are so many things that have to be right for you to survive. You know, the game. I uh, I saw my dad. I think at my mom and dad's fiftieth anniversary, and I told my dad. I said, "Dad, the discipline was tough. I won't lie. I mean, I was raised by the colonel, and it was a movie called." Santini and I thought the only thing about that movie was that he actually played with his kids. I think my dad, we were afraid to be around my dad, but uh, you know I told him, Dad, that the discipline was tough, but it helped me in life. And uh, he said, you know, son, I'm, you know, I tried. And he, he, his parents were even more strict. And um, about three days later, my dad passed. But I felt really privileged to to tell my dad that the the discipline um, was tough. But it helped me, and I, I can see that it's helped me. And um, you know, I got a 21 year old son and a 32 year old daughter, and my—they're both great kids. But uh, sometimes I think I, I wish I would have disciplined my son a little more. <laughs> but uh, mm-hmm. I think, um, yeah, we're we're fortunate to be in this industry, and you know, we have to be mindful of that lifestyle. What one thing that I warn people getting into this industry. It, it, it can be a high. You can get high on it. It's like a drug. When you're floating That's around so true. celebrities and you're going in and out of, of major uh, events and red carpet things. And um, I, it, I remind people, I said, this is what you do as a profession. Then you go home, you take your armor off. Before you go in the house, take your armor off and, you know, play with your kids and, um, you know, I've seen people uh, get divorced. I've seen people that, you know, because they 
they get into the EP lifestyle so much that uh, it takes over their life. It becomes life. And I tell people, it's a profession. It's what we do. Don't let it consume you. And also don't that high of being with a notable person. Don't believe that you're them or, you know, you're living their lifestyle. Yeah. With them and you're around them. Uh, and you get to enjoy some of, you know, some of the fun of, about it, but don't, don't let it consume you. Absolutely. The, uh, the, one of the things that uh, I always talk about is, you know, your client success isn't your success. Don't make an identity out of it. You know, it, and it's true. It is a high and it can go to your head when you're getting on and off the private jets and you're, you know, you, you essentially carry your client's authority kind of. So you show up and it's, oh, these are the such and such guys from this corporation or, oh, this is, you know, such and such acting, singing talents, people, you know, and everyone starts running around and uh, it can be an ego trip and the ego, you know, when it's mismanaged, the ego can be, it can be so amazing. It can be, I'm going to do a good job because I'm Byron Rogers and this is my work product represents my name and my brand. Or it can be, you know, I'm such and such who's, you know, big macho guy here. You know, I think that's why God made me kind of short, you know, <laughs> just to make sure I don't ruin it, you know, but uh, this, you know, I haven't heard it articulated quite like that, but that lifestyle piece of when you are winning and you're, in all the venues and you're behind the curtain and you're in the green room and um, it, it's a slippery slope, you know, and, and you, if you can't manage the humility in that, it's just a matter of time. Half the time I've seen when I've been on details with guys that are really cocky, you know, you have this moment where like you want to help them, but then you wait and you see, like you give them a little bit of help, like a breadcrumb or two and you see what happens. And if they, if they take it and they're like, Hmm. Then you know you might have a winner, but if if you know it's going to be a battle and you, you you give them a couple of breadcrumbs and they don't take it, you just let them weed themselves out. <laughs> weed themselves out. You you don't have to do any harm. You don't have to throw anyone on the bus. You just kind of let it let it uh, play out the way it naturally does. You know, because uh, yeah, <laughs> that's the way this game works. It's truly a no, absolutely. That that's you know, I I goof on myself and you know. Mm-hmm often say I'm a C minus high school graduate, former, I don't want to make a big deal about who I am. I'm just me. I'm, I'm a goofy, you know, laughable guy. I, I have fun when I'm on details or when I'm working, I like having fun. I like to, and I have a habit of, of making my clients laugh. I'm, I'm, I feel like sometimes I'm the court jester. Mm-hmm. I try to develop rapport where I can you know, I can crack my clients up and, um, you know, with some clients, some clients, I'm, you know, like they're up there, I'm down here, I'm doing my, thing. But, uh, you know, among the, the team, I like to cut up and I like to be casual and I, I don't like to put a lot of airs about, you know, look at me, I'm with so-and-so. Um, um, I did have an experience early on where uh, I was with somebody pretty notable and, and that detail ended and, and I just literally fell on my face. Um, and I realized I was putting all my value with that other person and I need to put value with who I am. Uh, and then, you know, I built up another notable client. And then when that detail ended, there was no movement. You know, I just 
went on to the next detail and I felt like, wow, you know, I didn't crash and burn because, um, you know, I wasn't holding on to them. And I, you know, and, and I think that's important to, uh, you mentioned ego. There is a healthy ego and a mm-hmm. healthy part of ego. Like you said, job, um, striving to be the best and um, things like that, that that's healthy. When we do training at EPI, we, the first day we open the back door and we say, put your ego in the hall. It'll be there when you, when you're done with the class, you can pick it up when you leave. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah. I'm glad you said that because it's, it's something that especially, especially when you have someone who's new to the industry, that little pitfall is extremely contained. It's just dangerous, attractive. It's seductive. You got a guy who was special forces, da, 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 da. Now he's doing this executive protection. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's not, you know, nothing compared to what he's been doing. And he comes in and he's the man, you know, and, or you're retired, whatever you're a made man in another industry and you come in and man, it's just, and, and it's, it's seductive. So that's a, that's a good one. I'm glad you, you mentioned that one. It, a lot of guys can create an identity out of their time with their client. And it's never, I don't think, a good idea to create an identity from anything that's outside of you. It's just you and your God. And those are only two things you're going to have. You came here naked. You're leaving naked. You're not on the will. <laughs> you know, uh, that, that's good stuff. What, do you, what would you say protection is really all about? If you're going to say executive protection, what is it really all about? Well, keeping a client safe and 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 also uh, trouble free, so that they can focus on what they do. So, it, and the hope is that they don't have to think about what you do. And that's one thing I often tell other folks doing this too: is your client is not going to notice how hard you work or all your planning, the preparation, your advance work. And guess what? They don't need to know about that. That's not what they need to know about. That just they shouldn't. Yeah, <laughs> everything is flawless. Uh, you know, and and I love doing advance work, and I've done advances in sixty countries and on world tours, and you know, I've traveled all over with clients. Uh, sometimes I'm on the jet with them, or I'm. Uh, but most often, I love preparing. and I love going and preparing, and then and then meeting them and everything is is flawless now you know sometimes behind the scenes there are some snafus and things it's really nice when they don't know about it absolutely uh contingency redundancy um keys are locked in a car you bring up another car and you know they don't happen to know that there were some snafus but you, you know just really attending them so that that they feel comfortable uh, and that, and that they don't have to worry about their safety. I think that's what I believe. You know, the greatest value is and and being a trusted advisor. Uh, you're with them. You're privy to their conversations. Um, you know, maintaining confidentiality too. I think that when when I see a bodyguard tells all book, I want to find that person. <laughs> I yeah. I'm you're not right. a violent man, but I'd like to educate that person about. How he dishonored the industry, I think, because, Absolutely. you know, that's just that's just uncalled for. So um, I think entrusted, uh, having their confidence and keeping them safe and productive. Uh, for me, that's what it's about. 
um, so that they don't have to think about, you know, things that are going on. It's just, you know, everything is arranged for them and, you know, they don't have to worry about, about their own safety. About anything. Yeah. There's like, I feel like there's a feeling when things are working and you see your client and they have like a confidence about them that you, you're moving with them, that you have them. and, And it's like, when you can see that they really aren't worried about anything and they're either just like completely having a good time with themselves and their family and not even thinking about it and you're just driving or you're doing whatever you're doing. It's like dopamine release for me, like, and, and, or they're going to their meeting, they're doing whatever, but they have like a confidence in you because everything's just smooth, you know? And it's when that, I, 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 like, as you were describing it, that's kind of what I was thinking about, you know, when you see him going from car to car and, you know, maybe you're the ghost in the machine, you set everything up and the plan's going well and, and you see them just kind of gliding through life and they're not even thinking about any of it. It's probably one of them for me, you know, as you were describing, that's probably one of the most rewarding things, you know? Oh, and, very, uh, very, yeah. Very rewarding. Very rewarding. The uh, trusted advisor thing, you know, that's, it's just, there's like a, there's an honor to what we do. It just, to, for me, a lot of what you were saying comes back to that honor, like knowing when to be paying attention, knowing when to make it obvious that you're not listening, <laughs> you know, like certain conversations that are happening in the car. You know, I, I, one of my favorite things to do with clients is, you know, if they do end up in a high friction conversation or something like that, and, you know, they kind of like look over to you a little bit <laughs> afterwards, you know, uh, being able to just let them know that like, you know, I'm, it's not any of my business. I'm not paying attention to anything. Hey, me and you are still just me and you, and I'm just still driving and doing what I was here to do. You know, don't, don't mind me, you know, um, and, and honoring that and protecting that, those things. It's a lot of that. I feel like does come back to honor. That's good stuff. What would you say, uh, really causes people to fail in this industry? You know, I've seen some incredibly talented EP agents fail. And there's there's three things that I often bring up. Being properly dressed, on time, with the right attitude. Those three things, I think, have caused too many people to fail. For me, uh, being on time is early. My own preference is an hour. Whatever the start time is, I'm there an hour. I give myself an hour. And that's one thing I'm with you. I'm with you on that hour, that golden hour. I love it. And, you know, that's one thing I also complimented my dad. I said that, you know, we called it hurry up and wait. I mean, um, you know, my dad, if you're to be somewhere at seven o'clock, that at seven o'clock, you're knocking on the door. And that that preparation is important. Right attitude. You, you know, where are you and, and what's going on? I One thing I talk about is there's vertical lines and horizontal lines. So. Being attuned to the, the principal and what mood is he in? If he's quiet, sedate, then you have to be quiet and sedate. If he can be jovial or laughing, then you don't want to be stiff because then you're not complimenting. Another thing is if, let's just say I get in the car and the principal, I call him Mr. Smith. He says, Jerry, call me Joe. Uh, okay, Joe, that's horizontal. And then he's allowed that within that environment. But as soon as somebody else gets in the car, it's Mr. Smith. And then also, as soon as he gives a directive, yes, sir. Uh, It's not, yes, Joe, or okay, Joe, I'll take care of that. It's, you know, if he says, Jerry, how's your son? Last time I spoke to you, he was uh, a little under the weather. Thank you, Joe. Yeah, he's good now. And 
Uh, he's going to school and everything's flying. Casual, horizontal. But then it, it's like, okay, when you, after you let me off, or I want you to do this, uh, do that. Yes, sir. So a, a proper attention to detail, proper attendance um, to the client and, and making sure you're in line with him. He sets the mood in the core. He sets the, the tone. You know, I call it proper alignment. Uh, you have to be properly aligned. So sometimes some agents are good, but if if they're cracking up and, and he's serious, um, they're out of alignment. So I think, um, again, I've seen some really good, uh, you know, EP agents or EP practitioners, um, you know, where a client will call me and say, Jerry, I like them, but I don't want them. Uh, and I have to find somebody else. The practitioner then comes to me, Jerry, what, you know, what did I do? And I'm like, you're out of a line. You know, you're, uh, it's too much about you to be about them. You know, you have to sacrifice yourself. It's not about you. It's about them. And so I think that just, you know, understanding that, that internal alignment and uh, that you, who, where your center is, you have to put your ego aside for that because it's all about them. You know, Elijah talked about that, you know, um, you stroking their ego, the, you know, you know, the client's ego, you have to recognize that you're there because of them. If, if they weren't who they were, you know, then you wouldn't be there attending to them. Uh, and you have to make sure that that's where your alignment is. They're not aligning with you. And they may follow you sometimes and Jerry, where are we going? You know, follow me, but you're really follow me, sir. <laughs> you know, you're in alignment with them as you lead them, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, you, you have to make sure that you keep that alignment uh, centered on them. So that's, I, I think, important. Yeah. I, I think that that is some of the best news. I mean, best advice. I think that a guy can be a great agent. He can be a fantastic tactician. He can be good at the soft skills, the hard skills, but if he, she, it, we can't get in alignment with the client, on a frequent enough basis to gain social and cultural equity within that environment or within that relationship, that dude, dudette is gone. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you can make mistakes, but if you have the social and cultural equity, you know what? I really like this guy. You know what? Let's give, let's keep working with him. We can, you know what I mean? He won't do it again, blah, blah, blah. You'll survive. You can be all right. And if, if you have that equity with your team and the client and your employer, You'll be okay, you know, but it's that alignment piece. I was working with a religious figure figure at one point and it was, you had to, we would always say you have to know when he's the man or when he's the man of God and you have to be able to flow with these different hats. Um, and if you were treating him like the man, when it was, he was man of God hat, you're, 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 you're going to get axed. Or if, you know, your, your client wants to be, you know, act like you're back in the locker room for a few minutes. It's, you make these little sacrifices of yourself. The whole game is really sacrifice and like intelligence and like, you know, this, this dance, but I, I, and you're actually causing me to think about something I'm dealing with out in the field right now. And you're actually really giving me some good, good content because I know these things, but this articulation of these issues is it's so good um, because you have to make these small sacrifices of yourself, of your ego, in order to make sure that that client's getting what they need. Because at the end of the day, 
right, wrong, indifferent, whatever, what it comes down to is this human needs to want to spend time with you because they're going to spend time with you. You know, one of my clients, I was with them more than any other person on the planet from for five plus years, you know, like you have to create an environment where it's not all about protection all the time, but it's, it's that alignment, that rapport, and those things have to be created, I feel. You know, I grew up um, under the colonel, so old school, speak when spoken to. Yeah. Say not as you're told, or, or I mean, just, you know, kind of old school. And I had to get out of that uh, and develop rapport. And I, and I there there's new school and old school. And I think there's, you need a balance uh, between the two. There is a time you, you have to, one, one of my clients, I used to like to get a little FaceTime with them. So um, I would just, you know, with, when my primary guy was with the family, I would sometimes pick up the husband who was the main principal, major exec for a major bank in York. And I would pick him up and I would see, you know, sometimes he's on his phone. So I'm not communicating with him, speak when spoken to. And I'm, you know, put his phone down and he's, and I'm, I, I thought to myself, should I, should I chat with him? And I waited a while and and then about 10 minutes in, before we got to his place on Park Avenue, I, you know, I asked him just like, how was your trip? And we ended up for 45 minutes, we're sitting in front of his, you know, Park Avenue home uh, chatting with me. And I, and I thought, you know, and, and, and a couple of times I'd say, sir, you know, I, I don't want to hold you up, you know, like, you know, get back to his house. But I knew when he went into the house, he had to deal with his wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, kids and and the wife she was the master of the home and I think he would go to that environment but he was enjoying the conversation with me and I realized geez I should have initiated that but so there's that balance of relationship uh new school old school developing uh you know rapport that you can engage with the client in a casual um manner and I think as the owner of the company I had a different relationship than the people working with him, you know, I'd be a little more casual with them, I think. But, and, and, you know, I think developing that, that rapport where you can, because sometimes they need that too, and mm-hmm. like be comfortable. You know, sometimes um, with some clients, we talk about sports or we talk about um, things. And sometimes I know he's looking for that, you know, that give and take, you know, now it's funny in our industry, there's a term called buddy guard. Now we look Generally, I was just going to say, now this can swing too far to the other. Well, <laughs> it's a dance. It, there, there is a value. I One of my first assignments was with the oldest son of a very prominent individual. Mm-hmm. He was young and uh, up, up and coming. And if I was too stiff around him, he would not have wanted me. So externally, I was his buddy. I went out and... We would go to bars. He would drink, and he thought I was drinking, but I wasn't drinking. I was pouring the drink, and I was tipping the bartender to give me virgins. And yeah, you know, he would hold his thumb over the, you know, the whiskey, and um, it, you know, I'd, I'd make believe I was drinking. So I was my principal's buddy on the outside, but on the inside, I knew my role. I knew why I was there. I carried a gun. I I had to, you know, be sober. I had to. I had to be mindful of where I was and what environment I was, things like that. So there is a role for being a buddy because something with some principles, if you're not their buddy, you're, they, they don't want you around. They won't trust you. 
It's a fine line. You know, I think that the general term buddy guard is a derogatory term because generally it is derogatory. I mean, or somebody's, you don't know your place or you become their buddy and you forget your role, you forget what what you're doing. And and that's a difference between, I think, a professional and maybe an amateur um, or somebody who who gets the role because of, of a relationship or they're hanging out and they say, why don't you make yourself available and be security? But, you know, they're like the buddy first. But so I think there is there is a fine balance sometimes. And sometimes we need to be their buddies. I've done details with kids and, you know, Barney details, as we call them. And I know that there are some people that, that don't like it, but I love kids. And what was interesting, whenever I was with the kids, I disciplined them. Uh, they, they did what I told them to do. And sometimes they'd be, I'm going to tell mom and dad, say, let's go together. Let's go together. And I wanted to drop the soda off the third floor balcony in the shopping center on some kids. And I didn't let you do it. Let's go. I, I usually got along great with kids and, um, you know, I disciplined them or I wouldn't let them do whatever. This detail that my company just managed, that there were some kids, very wealthy, just, oh, my God. Uh, spoiled beyond belief. And I thought, I'm glad I wasn't with them because I would say, hey, come here, that ain't happening. <laughs> you know, you're not doing that. But when the parents allow them to do it, it's tough. So kids are a whole nother kind of, that's almost a podcast. I've seen kids wreck guys. And I've seen one quick common mistake I see with guys when they come on details with clients that have children is they, I call it stepdadding. They start kind of trying to stepdad, like mm-hmm. they try to like, you know, they, they like really think that if they get in good with the kids, all of a sudden that they're going to be good on the detail. But like, I feel like these clients have had people trying to get them ingratiate to ingratiate them forever. They, they're used to having people constantly trying to get into their circles and things like this. So when these guys show up and they start doing what I call stepdad in and like trying to be like, come here, tyke, you know, Hey there tiger. And like trying to like <laughs> pick them up and put them on their shoulders. And the kid's like, what are you doing? Like, I don't even know you. Like, why are you calling me names? <laughs> you know? Um, I feel like it can create some serious friction and uh, I haven't seen a client like it. Usually they're just kind of like, all right. He's like really trying to get in good with the kids. And then if you do have a stepdad situation where like, you know, the client has remarried or something like that. And there is like an actual stepdad that's also trying to get the kids to like him. I've seen it. Like it can kind of, the energy can get kind of even more weird. And um, I've found that, you know, with the little kids, I just am, I treat them the same way. Kind of, I, I'm professional, I'm friendly, I'm approachable. And, you know, if they want to come hang on me and like climb and like have me pick them up and stuff, when the time's right, when we've crossed the normal social boundaries over time that that can happen, then it's fine. But I feel like they can be a pitfall for some guys to try to find a shortcut sometimes Uh, in the client circle. You absolutely need the right balance, uh, you know, around kids. And you see... Yeah, the the dynamic sometimes the the dads you know so focus on business and mm-hmm. uh, you, you can't you know I kind of take the role as I'm a big brother uh, mm-hmm. I try to be their dad I'm also not a spy and and, and <laughs> that's um, another you know sometimes they'll do something out of order and, and then um, I won't I won't report it to the, mm-hmm. the and I'll, I'll 
you know, let the kid know like, hey, that's between you and me. You want to have a working relationship with the kids. Um, there's been some great movies about that. And, you know, you just have to find that healthy balance. Um, I, I do know that there are some people that they don't like kids and they don't want to <clears throat> around kids. And my suggestion is don't take those kind of details. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, but if suddenly a, a kid comes along and into the detail, uh, they're a principal to take care of them. Uh, you know, you'll find your way. Just be yourself. Just um, be yourself. Yeah, don't try too hard. <laughs> <laughs> the trying too hard is, I think, is really what it really is. It's just you're coming from a place of inauthenticity with ulterior motives. And humans are natural. They're all we're all natural uh, psychologists. Like we social intelligence. <laughs> like people will detect that you aren't being authentic and you're trying to do something. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's an interesting dynamic. What would you say, um, how, if there was any one or two things you could drop to us about how you've lasted uh, and had a fruitful career in this executive protection game? Well, one is I think in yourself, you know, that's that's important. And and you you were just touching on it. And I've seen some people, you know, I often say that dogs can detect if you're afraid of somebody. So if a dog can detect things like that, like, so if you put on your happy face to the client, oh, okay. And then they leave and you, and, and then you're like, you know, a-hole. Do you not think that they can detect that? So, you know, be a professional, uh, you know, know your role. Uh, make sure, and you know, I I really do believe in in f- facilitating the needs of the client. Uh, you know, bring added value to you being around, so that you're not just there in case something happens. <coughs> do additional things. I earlier you asked, you know, some people lose just the simple thing of of carrying somebody's bag for them, and and, and I get so many protectors say, you know, I'm not a baggage handler. I have to keep my hands free. And um, <laughs> sometimes they're unarmed and I'm like, so you have to keep your hands free, you know, for a while. You can't help somebody. Uh, come on. Uh, you know, help be helpful, you know, yeah. but be yourself, I think, and be comfortable within your own skin. Also work around people that you want to be with. As soon as you're on a detail and, and you're not liking it or you're not liking that client, find another detail. Mm-hmm. I find some people, they say, Jerry, this, you know, I hate my principal. I hate being around them. I'm like, why are you around them? Well, the pay is good. You know, if, if it's all about money, you're sacrificing, uh, you know, find another detail. Um, you know, that's it. I mean, you got to be comfortable in your own skin. You got to, you know, I think that's the best advice I can give is uh, know who you are, be comfortable. Uh, be yourself, um, and then um, facilitate the needs of the client. Take care of them, uh, and take joy in that. Um, again, I think it's an honorable profession. Um, I remind people it's called servitude. It doesn't mean a servant, uh, but servitude is uh, of service. You have to provide a service to the clients. Don't don't misunderstand that. When you're serving a client, that that that's something wrong with that. So, I think that's awesome advice because the um, it really puts a finger on a lot of 
let's see, how do I describe this? There are certain guys on my detail that on details that I love rolling with and they're just really authentic. And this authenticity thing is really a thing. I find a lot of the executive productions almost like dating. You know, like you you kind of you kind of go out with this person and you kind of gotta find your rhythm, you know, but like the guys that are like kind of more like I'm not saying alpha like macho, I mean alpha as in really comfortable in who they are and they just kind of present themselves because they know who they are, they know what they've done, they know where they've been. Um, they just really do go farther. And like even with the stepdadding behavior, uh, the ones that are like or the yes men that are just yes manning and doing things like this, it 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 you can create a relationship where it's your client. I notice clients don't really respect that. Uh, they don't respect that individual usually as much. And I, it comes from, I believe a place of you're not coming, you're not being authentic and humans detect that. And that's, I think that's really good advice. It's so simple that I fear people won't really, really appreciate it for what it is, you know, but I think that's really good advice. And then, you know, do the things you love uh, and be on the details that you that you like and appreciate because that's going to come out in your behavior, in your attitude, show up on time. Was it early and with the right attitude? You know, it's it really is going to show in your work. Uh, that's that's definitely some wisdom. I appreciate. Yeah, absolutely. That. I you know, they, there's a there's a company called eHarmony.com. And you mentioned about dating and. I like to say we, we need epharmony.com. <laughs> it's really matching uh, EP professionals with clients. You know, I see some people jump on a detail and I'm like, that is not the right it's detail work. to do it. And you're going to crash and burn. And now you think, oh, it's a resume builder, but if if not good for you and, and, and you know, and also you're not enjoying it, you know, find another detail. Uh, you're going to burn out. It's same thing when when I, and I encourage if you're being interviewed for a detail, you have to interview back. You have to interview them. You have to make sure it's for you. It's not a one way street. You are not at the mercy of the client. Uh, you're a professional, and so when you're interviewing for a position, you need to ask some questions. As you know, like you know. Uh, one other advice I think is important is uh, your mental health. You know, when you go out on extended details and, you know, sometimes you're working 18, 20 hour days, uh, you have to know what your limit is. And if you're approaching your limit, you have to be able to say time out. I need a break. Uh, you, you know, I'm getting mentally exhausted. You're putting your client at risk. You're putting yourself at risk. One story I often share is if, my client bought a plane the first time I advanced the plane it was snowing sideways and so I asked the pilot I said is it safe to fly and and he pointed to his ass and he said Jerry if it ain't safe it don't go up and I think how many times do we as protection specialists allow ourselves to do things that aren't safe or go beyond our physical limits, uh, driving, you know, when you're exhausted and you're driving a client and you're working, you know, extended hours, uh, if you're exhausted, that exhaustion has the same effect of being under the influence. It's wor It's even more dangerous. I feel like, cause you'll just wake up while you're driving. I, you know, I, 
I feel like sometimes it's sleepiness is terribly dangerous. And, you know, the princess died, too. That, you know, the Trevor Reese Jones and no critique against him, but he should have told the driver, slow down. You're going way too fast. You're going. And what was the threat there was paparazzi trying to get away from paparazzi. It's like, slow down. And I when whenever I'm working uh, with paparazzi, I team everything slows down because that's when things can go wrong. That's when um, you run over somebody's foot, you'll, you'll, you'll hurt somebody. You're, you're rushing, you know, to get away, slow down. You know, you absolutely have to slow down because, you know, that's when things can go wrong. You know, I think also, you know, our mental health and, and working exhausted, we, we have to know what our limits are. And I think there's no shame of telling the client, you know, I need a day off. Um, I need a break. I need some relief. I need somebody to come take my place. Uh, mm-hmm. Seeing EP agents uh, actually have mental breakdowns and it's not pretty. Mm-hmm. And we have experience in our industry, a lot of people taking their own lives. Mm-hmm. It's not as well known because very often when they do, it's they, you know, they passed or something happened. But um, I, I've seen, you know, and been around people that have taken their own lives um, because of the stress that, that this profession um, exudes. But so we have to manage that. And that's one thing I tell people, don't let it consume you. Don't get caught yeah. up in it, too. And you, and you have to manage your own mental health. And the reason I take, you know, I take it easy. I'm an easygoing guy. Um, I don't let... Um, Sometimes I can be in a real stressful situation. And, and again, people look around at, at me and they say, Jerry, how can you be so relaxed? Uh, because I choose to be relaxed because, you know, you're being stressed out with things you can't control. So, you know, can you control the weather? <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And then sometimes I'm like, you're, you're freaking out over stuff that you shouldn't be freaking out over. And Absolutely. So, about it. You know, I'm going to manage that. I'm going to take it in stride. Um, I'll deal with it. Uh, I like coming up with solutions and options. Well, we could do this or we could do that, but uh, I don't let it, it's not the end of the world um, where I see some people like, oh my God, uh, they want to go to the Yankee game tonight. And they, what are we going to do? We didn't in. plan for it. What are we? <laughs> I'll do my best. You know, and then clients will ask me, can you get me in Nobu, Nobu next door? I'll see what I can do. I'm usually pretty good, <laughs> but yes. Um, at the same time, you know, sometime I'll do my best, mm-hmm. uh, might be able to get you in, might not, uh, yeah. you know, and then also, sorry, sir, bad weather. We're not flying out tonight. It's not happening. Uh, you know, um, it, you know, it's, it's like Aaliyah, um, you know, what a tragedy, you know, for, you know, too many people on the plane, they put a lot of pressure in the pilot pilots should have said, no, it ain't happening. Too many people, too much year. Stop, you know, but those are lessons we need to take into consideration as protection professionals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we need to know when to say time out, stop, you know, let's relax here. Oh, let's do the right thing. What's safe. And, and not be overly excited. Like, Oh, I got to be on the plane with my client. There's times where I jump out of cars i jump out of you know i'm like there's too many people in an elevator i'm like oh, you know what 
I got somebody up at the suite, you know, and I just get on the radio. Hey, I'm, let them, I'm I don't need, I don't need to be here. I don't need to put extra stress on the situation. Like relax. Okay. Mm-hmm. Simon, it's a detail. It's not the end of the world. So. Yeah. I, uh, fortunately I had Iraq to like, give me a backdrop of like what real stress was. Um, that's one way that really has come in handy. Cause I'm like, yo, no one's bleeding. We ain't got nobody shooting at us. We got the shower today, like this week, a couple of times. Good. <laughs> you know, like we're good. And I know where my meals are coming from. Yeah. I, but, uh, I would say too the, uh, the mental stress, this, this profession. And if you're not in the profession and you're listening, understand that you're living life with someone, you know, like, so their life doesn't stop. <laughs> and I think really part of the art of really creating a career that doesn't uh, burn you out is understanding that you're making a bed. You're, you have a relationship really is kind of a relationship you're building and you have to make a bed you can sleep in. And one thing I say to new guys, what it takes to get your girl, it takes to keep her. So you come in there and you work, you know, all hours of everything and you don't put any kind of parameters about on your kind of availability and your op tempo and you know all these different things you're doing uh remember you're that bar's up here and it needs to stay up here forever you know so you know those are kind of considerations that i give guys when they're coming in and they're you know making everything like and do a good job but keep in mind what it takes to get your girl, it takes to keep her and, and their lives, you're living life with someone. So you, I think it is, it's, I know it's extremely important to let your clients know what you can and can't do. Let your clients know what you need, because, uh, you know, right now you might be jazzed up because you got on the detail and da, 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 da. You need to think about yourself three next, like this time next year or two, three, four years from now and realize that like, I'm trying to make a bed and you're, and I, I believe that clients, when I have spoken to on to them on these things, they've appreciated the forethought, they've appreciated the self awareness, and they've appreciated the effort that I was putting in to to protect my guys and myself and our working relationship and and, and maintain its efficiency. So you know, it's good to be Superman, but you really want to keep in mind that once they know you're Superman, you know, you 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 can't turn back into Clark Kent. <laughs> You know, and uh, the other thing you said that was really good is that that kind of that flexibility when it comes to, I don't know. And, and for me, I wouldn't I would say a lot of this comes with experience, but then also kind of the Marine Corps, like stress inoculation and stuff like that. You know, like, hey, we're going to do the best we can. You know, client wants to go somewhere. They didn't tell us. I mean, it comes and it goes back to expecting Murphy. You know, it's just kind of like, this is what we do. We're going to do the best we can. We're going to flow with it. It doesn't have to be perfect. We'll make it as safe as it is. And yeah, we're going to the Dodgers game tonight and we'll see what the deal is next. And just that, that flexibility and that flow and that like, no one's bleeding. Don't come to me stressed out. We're just going to figure it out, (laughs) you know, and uh, we'll do what we do. And um, that, I believe that's like just, the best attitude to have going through because then you don't stress yourself out. You don't stress anyone else out and your client's going to feed off of your energy. So if they just want to go to Nobu with their friends afterwards and you're over here like, "Ah, ah," (laughs) you know, making it a thing, you know, um, it just makes you less enjoyable to be around. You know, if you weren't there, think about how they'd be acting. They'd just be having fun with their friends going to Nobu, (laughs) you know, like don't, complicate the thing you know that's it's kind of how my how i always think about it it's good stuff 
Yeah, do, um, do, do your best and um, I make my best effort. Um, you know, like you said, Superman, sometimes we're, we're magicians. Uh, we, we pull off miracles. Uh, we pull out of uh, small orifices and uh, <laughs> we amaze people. Um, and it, it's always nice that they recognize that. But when that becomes the norm uh, and then you're not able to do that, and then sometimes they're like, well, you, you got us in before or what happened, but I told all my friends you could do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you do your best. And, um, you, you know, I mean, what, what limits do you have? Uh, mm-hmm. you, you know, so I think, you know, keeping yourself grounded, I think is important, you know, knowing there are limits of what you can do. And, you know, sometimes you're asked to, to, you know, can you make things happen? I'll, I'll give it my best effort. It is exciting when you're able to pull off amazing things, and absolutely, it's nice when they recognize that. It's 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 another thing. Sometimes when they don't recognize it, and you know, like something incredibly amazing for you, and <laughs> and they just get in and, the car and just don't even. <laughs> well, and that's and that's, that's their the life, game. and mm-hmm. you know, guess what? Um, you know, you you do your best. You you know, I you know, make sure you don't put too much on, on yourself, uh, or have that expectation of recognition too. I think as a professional, you mm-hmm. provide the service, you do it, and then you move on uh, tomorrow. Exactly. Um, did you get paid? You got paid for, right? Okay, yeah. great. <laughs> we see you tomorrow. Okay, great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yes, sir. How, what would you say, um, were the hardest lessons you learned in the field? Any, you know, I don't know, catastrophes or just things that you learn. Like I will not, don't do this. You know, the hardest things that you remember. It's it's funny when I, I teach a course on the business of executive protection and security and uh, the whole um, course is I did this. Don't do that. <laughs> oh, wow. I made this mistake. Uh, you don't want to make that mistake. Uh, wow. And you're still here. So there's something uh, to be said about these mistakes, guys, you know? No, well, and that's, you know, on the, on the business side of things. Um, no, that's a, that's a tough one. I think. Um, it's that positive thinking is what it is. Cause the, you make the mistake and you probably rebound from it. Then you learn from it and then it doesn't imprint in your mind as a negative thing. Really. <laughs> so you kind of got to go back and be like, geez, huh? okay. <laughs> I mean, that's kind no, of how I, I work, really. Yeah, just, well, I think uh, I think for anybody, you know, getting into the the business is, again, always be learning. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you know, I've seen some people, they, they land, one of their first details is a pretty notable uh, principle. And then after that detail ends, they just can't seem to, to get anybody else. And they're wondering, what, you know, what have I done wrong? Well, one is you've got to be humble. You know, once you've been at that level and you think I have to always be at that level, you know, there are other other principles out there that you can provide protection for. Make sure that, you know, I think people understand that. Um, and again, don't lock in your identity with that principle because if that detail ends, a very good friend of mine lands a detail with a very wealthy individual, got a trophy wife and it looks like a perfect detail. And at the old age of 44, the principal dies. Oh, a time to move on to the next detail. And that's it. So, I mean, 
but he was prepared and um, he's one person that I, uh, you know, one person, a good friend of mine that is never lacking a detail. He, if mm-hmm. he, soon as he's not on a detail, it's, it's a very short time. He's on another detail building mm-hmm. and chips. That's and really I, what it all is. You know, when you're working with a principal, uh, make sure you, you build rapport with other folks in the industry. Don't get caught up in I'm on this detail and I'm I'm golden. I'm a man. I'm out. Um, and, and you know, people need to know who I am as opposed to, you know, you you knowing other people. Uh, I've seen people crash and burn, and and then they don't recover. And sometimes I've seen people in the industry move out of the industry uh, because they make it. One is um, this is a very competitive industry. Mm-hmm. Uh, a competitive field you know i think and there's there's some misnomers out there one misnomer is that oh the all the combined schools are training about 600 people to go into this industry and they're not 600 positions um one is at epi and if we have a class of 40 40 students 35 of them are working typically uh 30 of them their their company sent them there or their agency a few people are working, they pay it out of pocket to come, but maybe there's five people looking for work. But there are some people that are looking only for part-time work too. I mean, they're, they're satisfied. They, you know, they're a police officer and they're working part-time. Maybe post-retirement, uh, they you know, may look for a full-time detail. So one is, uh, I think there's, there's a lot of work out there, but it's, it's also a competitive field. So you, you have to say somebody getting into the industry I have to recognize that it's like there's a million high school football players to go to a certain number of colleges to go into the the NFL. There's only so many players on the in the in the NFL. So within within the EP field, I mean, there's you know there's certain details that could be considered major details, major corporation corporate details. There's a lot of work out there, and I think. Some people, they, they set their sights too high or they think, oh, I have to be at this level. Otherwise, I can't, I can't get into it. Yeah. One, one story I share is uh, Matt Damon uh, was talking to some aspiring actors. And one young actor said, should I be an actor? And Matt said, no. Because if the answer, whether you're going to do this or not, is with somebody else other than yourself, you don't have what it takes. Mm-hmm. want to do this profession and you're going to do it and you're going to strive at it and, and work at whatever level you can get in. If it's a bit part in a, in a, you know, a little town theater or something like that, that that's what you're going to do. I mean, don't set your sights. I got to be with this level of a person. Otherwise, you know, I haven't made it. So you got to pay your dues. I think you got to work your way up in the industry. And that's one thing that Doc Hobbit's tried to establish um, is for protectors is it's a profession. Mm. You know, get training, continue to get training. But when you get into the profession, recognize it's a profession. Um, and, and whoever you're with at, at some moment may could end. And then you, you know, have to turn around and go Fine. in the industry. It's, it's like an act. You do a bit part and you move on. To audition and then eventually you maybe have a starring role but guess what your next part might be a bit part um 
but if it's what you love doing, you, you, that's what you need to do. So don't get caught up into that there are certain levels and when you're at a certain level, you have to always stay there. Just continue to be the, the um, consummate professional, uh, continue to train. Uh, you know, don't think again that I know everything and I don't need any more training. So yeah, yeah. some random thoughts, I guess. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's good. Um, there's so much good stuff in there. I, it, it's uh it really does come down to like for me i think continuing to grow and continuing to learn is at the car like cornerstone of kind of who we are and what we're doing you might be on one detail and like think you mastered it and like oh i know everything about ep you turn the page you go on another detail you are at ground zero if you think you know you're gonna step on a tripwire and half of you is going to be like you're gonna be done you know and uh i think that's huge in this industry, you know? And so, yeah, you like, you just, you kind of have to continue learning. You have to continue growing. You can't over identify with one client. You, uh, especially just in like the private sector of it, you know, it's, it's always changing. It's always, you know, feast or famine sometimes, you know, so, and your power, your network, you know, you gotta be networking and demonstrating value to other agents so that you can, that helps you find work and things like that, you know, absolutely. That uh, and and the competitive nature of it, I I feel like now you know, a lot of people are lacking like good work ethic, and a lot of people are lacking um, just manners and you know like like I feel like what I've lacked in physical potency or ability, I've been able to make up in character almost sometimes. You know, like I feel like when nowadays when you meet a solid human, it's like you can. I mean, I don't know. You know, like. Obviously, Bruce Lee, this y'all listening, you know, absorb what's useful, disregard what's useless, add what is your own. But I feel like nowadays, if you can be a stand up guy, you can shake someone and in, in, in look them in the eyes and you can uh, let your word count and you can, you know, be dependable and reliable, you can really beat out a lot of the competition. If you can maybe be there for the right reasons, you can figure out what those reasons are. And hopefully, these podcasts can help you do that. You can beat out of a lot of, you can beat out a lot of the competition, I feel like. You know, do you have a proudest moment in the uh, of being in this game? Well, I had a funny experience. Um, my principal had in, invited a, a former president of the United States to come and speak. Um, so I was waiting at the green room and um, heard the roll-up door open. And I thought, wow, the, that the only time that roll-up door opens uh, is for the president. This was at a hotel in Washington, D.C. So I walked down the hall and, uh, you know, I turned the corner and I see George Bush Sr. walking towards me. So, okay, nope, there's no agents with him. Um, So I greeted him, Mr. President, and I guided him to the green room and said, sir, um, other guests will be arriving. And as different guests arrive, I would come in, Mr. President, this is so-and-so and things like that. And my principal eventually came and then the president went up and on stage and spoke. And when he came off stage and came to the back, he would shake everybody's hand and he got to me and he turned to everybody. And said, oh, he's with me. And um, my principal said, George, he's actually with me. And he looked, he said, Oh, okay, Jerry, you know, um, you know, thank you. And um, so I thought it was pretty cool. I mean, it was, it was like, you know, the president of the United States thought I was, one of his agents and um, 
you know, that kind of made me proud to think, wow, that's, you know, that's pretty cool. That, that's uh, really cool. You know, he, he thought it was kind of a special moment. I was able to meet him a number of times uh, and, um, you know, was would always greet him. And what was amazing, what he would always remember my name, you know, oh, hi, Jerry, good to see you again. I think, wow, uh, I'm, I'm amazed at, at someone like that, that it has to meet thousands of people, thousands of people. And Absolutely. Remember a name, but. I think that was pretty cool, I guess. Um, that's real cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I think that that's fantastic. I completely get it. You know, it's the subtle things for us, you know, the the little notoriety or, you know, the, 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 the plan working out perfectly or, you know, killing King Kong and Godzilla right before your client comes through and, you know, things just happen and, you know, and it's like, and your client just like gets on the plane and whips out the newspaper and you just sit there and you're with your guys and you're like, yo, that we did that worked out, you know, uh, that's good. That's good stuff. The evolution of the industry. What kind of things would you say about kind of how you've seen things change over the years? Well, I think we, we started this podcast. We're talking a little bit about that. Yeah. Huh? Um, that I started before the internet and <laughs> yeah, that's true. GPS. I, well, and I think, um, I think agents now we, we have, they have to be careful not to become overly tech savvy. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, that, that there are a lot of tools at our disposals. They do in advances, mm -hmm. things like that. But sometimes we can be, you know, over tech savvy and um, at API, when we do some mock details, uh, there are times where I'll be driving with, um, you know, I'm the principal and then I'll ask to see their, can I see your GPS? And they hand it to me and then I say, oh, I'm sorry, I just broke it. <laughs> and, and the very first time I did that, the, the student pulled over and said, I'm done. I, I don't know where to go. And so for me that I, and I mentioned to him, well, well, that's a lesson, you know, like technology might not always be there. Mm -hmm. now, one student where I did that, I said, can I see your GPS? And he hands it to me. And I said, Oh, geez, I broke it. And he pulled out a second one. I said, let me see that one. <laughs> he was like, Oh, and I said, Oh, I broke that. And then he brought, brought out his phone. He said, I have a third one. I said, triple redundancy. I'm going to give you a pass on and that. I'll let you ride. <laughs> uh, That's pretty but good. I, but I asked him, did you take your GPS and did you say map out the route? Did you put it on paper? Did you make a strip map? Did you, did you make landmarks? Or, or are you totally depending upon um, technology? Most of the time, and uh, and even myself now, if I go somewhere, I just put in the address of GPS. But from a protection point of view, are we over dependent upon technology? What if technology goes down? So one thing I would encourage folks is not to be overly um, use technology. Do them, you know, map it out on your phone. Yeah, but, do the pre-advance and all that. You know, make note of where you're going to be and, and what if technology goes down. Um, I'm afraid that a lot of millennials that say maybe young folks that have come into our industry, if if their if technology goes down, are they going to know how you know where their car is and 
um, you know, how to get back to the, to the, to the residence or something like that. I mean, um, if you become overly, you know, overly dependent dependent on that technology, what if it goes down? So uh, coming, you know, the evolution of the industry, I think starting where there wasn't a lot of technology, I know how to use a map. (laughs) Yeah. I know how to map my way on a on a map book or uh you know when I got out of high school I delivered appliances and um we just used the Thomas map books, you know. Mm-hmm. You had to, you know, figure the best you had to figure out, you know, how to to get around on a map. Um I'm always happy uh, on a recent detail, one of the uh one of the guys brought out a, a physical map and mm-hmm. I nicknamed him Map Boy, and I said, "Look at this, Map Boy's got a map." You know, like old school. <laughs> you know, yeah. But, uh, so the, you know, there's there there's been a lot of changes, and I think there's going to continue to be changes. Um, it, you know, we live in the information age, but we can be overwhelmed with information. It, you know, sometimes when we do our advance, you know, to what limit are we going to gather information? When is too much information? I know. You know, there's apps now, you know, oh, there's there's a traffic here, there. I'm concerned with some drivers that they're they're overly focused on, you know, too much information coming at them or, um, you know, mm-hmm. you got to just, you know, map it out. And then that's the way it is. And traffic is what it is. You can't be, you know, zipping back and forth trying to, you know, um, find the fastest route or avoid things, you know, you make sure you have enough allowance of time that to get them, you know, get your client to where they need to be. Absolutely. Um, that, that, that's definitely one. I'm, I, I love my technology and grew up. <laughs> it's like an asset. You know what I'm saying? I got low key, get a little bit more, you know, get a little better with that for sure. You know, cause I just, it gives you so much, but it all comes at a cost. You know, and it's not a hundred percent. You know, uh, I was shooting a match the other day, and my dot disappeared on me on my, you know, my gun. I had one of those cool red dots, and I was running around doing what I do, and then there was no dot, and I was like, "Well, time to use a backup iron sights." But it did, like, you know, I was like, you know, you got to get programming, you got to get software in your mind for this contingency. It's a real thing, you know. What um, if you could change something about the industry? What would you change? Got a magic wand. <laughs> hmm. Well, one of my, my my emphasis is, and it you know, there's a Sims that they have a tagline called "An educated consumer is our best customer." Um, I, I'm of the mind that a lot of our consumers are not educated about um, the value that we bring. You, you know, all the you know, the things that we can do for them and also the image, I think. And that was, and when Doc created uh, EPI, created the personal protection specialist uh, credential, PPS. So when you uh, go through EPI, you come out and you um, receive a personal protection specialist credential. The state of Virginia actually adapted that. So if you're gonna do protection work in the state of Virginia, you have to become a state certified personal protection specialist. Hmm. Um, 
we're proud of that, that they recognize that, but we're sad at the same time because now other schools um, take that title authorized from this uh, Commonwealth of Virginia to teach the uh, PPS course and issue somebody a PPS. So years ago, when you saw somebody that they had PPS behind their name, it'd be what class did you go, you know, at EPI? And now it's like, what school did you go? Or um, mm. because other schools can issue the PPS, but, and we called the word bodyguard, the B word. And, we made sure we never use that word in front of Doc Kobetz. Otherwise, he would wash your mouth out with soap, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. And it was so funny when, when Doc got involved on the Internet and he would stay up late nights and, you know, all of a sudden it's two or three o'clock in the morning like us when we first got onto the Internet. And, <laughs> Jerry, you have to use the word bodyguard more. And I was like, are you kidding me, Doc? <laughs> so I think... It, it it's sad. I mean, it's there's um, we use the word. We're hesitant to use the word sometime because of of what the image that people have say of that. Mm, yeah. I think what I would like to see, or or and, and what I'm working for in the IPSB and and in um, in other areas. I'm also on the ASIS uh, EP council, and and part of my motivation is to help educate the public about our value and, and our profession. I think, uh, I think there's a, a great misunderstanding. Unfortunately, there are a lot of bodyguards in our industry or um, amateurs. And uh, I often ask people, what requirements uh, does somebody need to, to call themselves a bodyguard? And, it, and it's really none. Uh, anybody can say they're a bodyguard, and many people do. And then we try to emphasize being a professional protector as opposed to, uh, you know, an untrained or unprofessional bodyguard. So what I like to see in the industry is education uh, to the public, uh, letting the public know that there, there are different classes um, in a way or, or different grades, that there are some people who are bodyguards, um, but there are people that are professional protectors. So that's something I'm passionate about. I think um, I I hope to, and I'm working on some projects that I hope help educate the public on um, our, our greater value as professional protectors. I love that. Yeah, that's huge because <laughs> you're, I mean, you come on a new detail a lot of it really is like re-educating the client, you know, it's, or if you're starting a detail for a client or if you're, you know, starting that relationship, a lot of the energy goes into um, just kind of repainting that picture of this is what we can do. This is what we're here to do. This is our value. Um, you know, this is our presentation and, and things of that nature. And you're kind of in it together because on one hand, if you don't fit the, client's kind of idea of what they think you should be doing you can be looked at as being wrong if you can't also illustrate to them the value of what you're doing uh you know as it relates to what they're expecting you know um so that that educating clients is, is huge and then you know also kind of i think what walks hand in hand with what you said is educating the practitioners so that they can 
you know, they can really evolve and they can do that properly and that they don't misrepresent us, you know, out there, you know, I feel like, you know, sometimes I get on a detail and I, I, you know, I feel the same way I feel sometimes when I look out in my culture and people are doing things and I'm like, how are you guys expecting people to look at us? You can't act like this, not on TV, you know, I'm like, stop, stop guys, you're ruining it, you know, but I, you know, sometimes I see some guys and I, you know, I, and I, and I, and you know, it's a lot of, it's just that people don't know any better. You know, they just don't know, know better as they say, you know, but also at the same time, I think it's like the law, you know, um, you don't get a pass just cause you don't know, know better either. It's your responsibility to educate yourself. Um, and so, you know, I never thought I'd appreciate being an educator, but I think that's what a lot of this is turning into, you know, uh, and it's, it's actually turned out to be a very rewarding thing. You know, like, just to expand a little more, I see a guy, you know, who really, he wants to make it. And then I see him doing something on, like, Instagram. And he's posting pictures and doing things. And I'm like, I mean, and I'm, an, I'm a social media, you know, like, I'm a social media whore. I'm on there all the time doing things and posting pictures. But at the same time, you got to maintain your operational security. You got to maintain your honor, you know. And I've, I've hit up a couple guys here and there and been like, hey, brother, you know, you can't let like a tail number to a plane be seen just because, you know, it's it's uh, it can be a security hazard and things like that. You know, much love, love what you're doing. Just want to make sure that, you know, you're not burning bridges as people are watching how you're representing yourself um, and opportunities and stuff. And that nine every time I've ever done that, the guy has been like, you know what? Thanks so much. I appreciate that. And you know, they, they, they really don't know any better. So, um, I, no, that's a, that's a, a big area now is, um, and I can't believe I'm, I'm, I'm all over social media too, but I'm also marketing EPI. So mm-hmm. I'm kind of putting myself out there, but that's, you know, we, it, what was interesting is uh, EPI, we had our own members only web board. Um, it was kind of an early version of LinkedIn just within our group. Mm-hmm. And people would put posts and every now and then doc would call me and say, Jerry, did you see that post? Somebody put, I think I down and I'm like, doc, leave it up because it is what it is. And it's very revealing. <laughs> and the guy made the post. And now on the side, sometime I would reach out to somebody and say, you know, you just put a post and you kind of revealed a little bit about yourself. <laughs> uh, you might yeah. want about it and and like you said now now some people would recognize that and say oh thank you i I didn't think about that uh now i think um i mean you brought up about manners and things i think there's social media manners there's social media calls what's appropriate um and i see a lot of posts that people post and i'm thinking i wouldn't have posted that um Mm -hmm. Some people, they share their whole lives, uh, good, bad, and ugly, the relationships, things like that. And it, it, you know, it gives me second thoughts. Do I want that person working for me uh, mm-hmm. with the manner, the mannerisms that he has on social media, sharing everything or, you know, particularly on details? Uh, that's, mm-hmm. you know, I, I won't allow, if you're working for me, uh, you're not going to put posts on social media of where you're doing, what you're doing. I will consider sometimes something personal about where you've been, but not where you've been. 
maybe. Um, <laughs> not where you, know, you are, not where you're going, no. <laughs> right? You um, know, so that's, I think that's, um, that's a big area that needs to be mind, people need to be mindful about is, you know, social media. And then also even just about their own lives. Um, nowadays, it's, it, you have to be so careful uh, one thing I encourage protectors is you have to somewhat be neutral. Yes, a, a lot of things. Asexual. Yeah, you know, I, I'm married 40 years and um, I have a certain lifestyle, certain beliefs and things like that. But I kind of keep that to myself for the most part. Um, I can work with anybody, most anybody. I do draw lines, uh, certain behavior I wouldn't tolerate. Certain mm-hmm. uh, lifestyles, if somebody is maybe pretty deviant or something like that, or there's certain, uh, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm not going to tolerate, but, and one is I'm very cautious about uh, one of my agents called once and said, Jerry, they they just uh, bought some pot and they're smoking. I said, give them the phone. Let me talk to them. And they said, you can't do that. And they said, yes, sir. <laughs> and I said, is that understood? Yes, sir. They said, we don't care if you do it. You just can't do it in the car and you can't do it. You know, my guys, my guys lives. Um, so I, I won't, I won't tolerate some nonsense. If, if I hear a client disrespecting my people, I'm good. They're going to hear about it. Um, Outstanding. I'm generally, I'll get you back safely to where we started and then the details over. I'm not, I'm not going to let you endanger anybody working for me. We're professionals. We don't care a lot of things, what you do. We're, we're not the morals police, mm-hmm. but you know, we can't, allow you to endanger our lives or and don't put us in danger illegally or otherwise. Uh, so, and I think that's important for uh, people getting into this industry is to know where their lines are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's tolerable. Uh, what's acceptable uh, behavior. Um, a, a friend of mine is a reporter called me and when, when, things came out about Tiger Woods and she said, Jerry, how is it possible the security didn't know about that? And I said, we're not the morals police. Uh, yeah. It's not our job, you know, the, to go tell them and do anything. There's a lot of vices way. out there. There in mm-hmm. every industry, you know, uh, there are vices, there are uh, things. And it's important for you as a protector to know what, what are you tolerant of and wh- where do you draw the line? Uh, Absolutely. You know, that way, you know, uh, and when you get to that point, it's like, time out. I'm not going there. <laughs> you know, Because mm-hmm. it'll be challenged. <laughs> you know, you, whatever you're, I mean, you're just, you're just going to be challenged on many different sides with this industry and with what you're doing. You just start and it's going to be like more than you would be challenged probably if you were just walking around minding your business, <laughs> you know, because just money's an amplifier and these things happen um advice to newcomers to people thinking about getting into this industry well and and that's important and i um i often give a one-day seminar on on what is the profession so i'm i'm used to with people about it's important for people to know what it is and what it isn't yeah absolutely Um, Thing that there's a lot of misnomers about what what the, this industry is about, and I think I would encourage people. It's a profession, and I understand you know that it is a profession, and 
you know, it's an honorable profession. It's not for everybody. Um, But, you know, it, it, you know, it's the same, you know, I often equate um, our profession with people that want to be an actor. And so, you know, one is I would encourage you to go to school. I would encourage you to go to EPI because it's the best school. I'm a little prejudiced towards EPI, but um, but do your homework. It's a personal decision. And uh, I tell people, we don't have salesmen at EPI where, you know, you want to come to EPI, you'll come to EPI. Do your homework. We'll let you know about it. We're not going to sell you on it. We don't sell timeshares. We don't sell uh, um, used cars. I mean, you you know, we'll tell you about our programs and things like that. But I certainly recommend training. Uh, that's one reason I encourage people also recognize that even you take our seven day program, that's a start. That's not the end all be all, you know, that to continue getting training, you know, enhance your professional credentials, uh, enhance your uh, stature. One thing I encourage people is what I call F2F, face to face, face to face networking, meet people. Uh, it's LinkedIn is cool and Facebook is cool. Like, you, you know, you got 5,000 friends and five contacts on LinkedIn. Do you know any of them? Yeah. Get to know people, uh, meet people. I'm absolutely upfront with people. I tell you, I'm more apt to hire you if I met you. I get these awesome resumes and sometimes I'm like, holy cow, look at this resume. This is a, this is a kick-ass resume. Let me put it with all the other kick-ass resumes in this pile. <sighs> of a thousand resumes somebody comes in the door hey i'm new to this industry and i'm like hey i got an opening on the detail you know yeah i have yeah. to hire somebody that i know um then a resume speaking of resumes too i say resumes are uh, i'm i'm a resume bullshit detector i can look at a resume i can smell it and say yeah it smells yeah like I did this. No, you didn't. Uh, I know you do it. You know, like, don't tell me you did it because I know you didn't do it. You know, and I can verify it. Um, be honest. I tell people, look, if, if you did an event, just did a big Amazon event, and we have, we have a whole bunch of notable people. And so some guys working for me on that event, they might have had a role interfacing with the detail or something. Okay, you worked an event. And you did this. That's cool. But don't make it like I was Taylor Swift's bodyguard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, I was talking. I, 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 I agree with you and I get it too. And I'm like, no, you weren't. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, there's nothing wrong with being the event security guy. Do your thing. There's nothing wrong with being the club security guy. I respect it. I've done it. There's nothing wrong with being the red shirt, the white shirt, the purple shirt. Residential security team, third party stand in residential I respect all of it. And you do what you do the best you can at your level. But you become an integrity violator when you start trying to sell something that you didn't make. You know, there's there's no shame in being new. There's exactly. In being a novice or having bid parts. Even people come to our, our uh, you know, seven day program. Sometimes they'll come up and, hey, Jerry, will you hire me? I said, no, you know, or maybe. Getting back to the actor parallel is, you know, you go to a school and now what do you have to do? You have to audition. You have to audition for parts and you have to pay your dues. You have to do halls and walls. You have to do bit parts. If you do those well, 
maybe you do the resident team and, and then eventually mm-hmm. you're a third car driver or something like that. You're a support person. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't think you can jump right in and, and be a leading actor exactly. like out of school right out of the gate. Uh, you have to prove yourself over time. Um, you have to pay your dues um, like any profession. Mm-hmm. You know, there's been some people that were very lucky, very fortunate. And I took one person out of a retail store, put him with a major celebrity. And he went from that celebrity to another celebrity to another celebrity. And he did very well. well part of it is his own character um, mm-hmm. was he was very suited for that and good fortune. So my people, they, they got to work hard at it. They got to do bid parts and bid parts and pit parts and um, bigger bid parts. And, um, you know, hopefully, you know, they'll make it. Um, I've seen some people that leave just when I think that good fortune might come their way, that they've done well in those supporting roles. Um, but sometimes they're, they get frustrated, like, geez, I, I guess I'm not going to make it in this industry. Um, mm. Guess not. You know, it's a self-fulfilling yeah. prophecy when you think I'm not going to be able to do it. Well, there you go. That's the thing. You know, uh, one thing I encourage people is have a passion. And very often I'll ask people, what's your passion? Not, not what are you doing? What's your passion? And then, mm. then I ask them, are you doing your passion? Mm-hmm. There's no shame in, in making money. There's no shame in having a job. But hopefully you can align your passion with, you know, what you do to make money um, can be aligned to, you know, your, your job, what you do to make money is your passion. And Absolutely. it's awesome when that happens. But, you know, you have to work there when you're when you're getting into the industry is, um, you know, and I ask people, are you doing this uh, as a passion? Is this what you're passionate and you want to do? Um, are you fully understanding what it is and what it isn't? You know, sometimes our job is very boring. <laughs> you know, you wait absolutely hours and hours, uh, nothing's going on, and then just okay, I've just worked twelve hours, and my relief is coming, and all of a sudden the client comes out and says, "Let's go." <laughs> you know, and you're like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then you hit the club scene or something like that. So I, I encourage people coming in know know what it is, and and you know. Do you have all the right reasons for being here? Do you understand um, and treat it like a profession? You know, some people say, Jerry, it's always been my dream to be a bodyguard. And I, I said, you know, my, what my dream was? My dream was to play rock and roll, you know, rock guitar, have long hair and have women chase me. <laughs> I tried the guitar. That didn't work. Uh, I lost my hair and women never did chase me. So that, And in your dream, you can do anything. So you have to make, you know, you know, rather than it be a dream is you have to substantiate your dream. So, so true. Well, that's one reason I, I encourage people to read the book, Think and Grow Rich, because there's a section in there. And it's like career GPS. Within that book, it says if you want to accomplish something, you, you can't just think, oh, I want to accomplish this and don't do anything. That's wishful thinking. Mm-hmm create a roadmap you have to think i have to do this 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 to do this and and then a lot of times that is what it takes you know if i want to go to chicago right now i 
you know, I have to make a map. I have to map out the routes. Otherwise, mm -hmm. just turn north and uh, hopefully I'll get there. That's wishful thinking. Mm -hmm. So I tell people, you have to make a career GPS. It's like, what does it take to get where you want to be? And part of it is seeing it in your mind's eye, too. Um, yeah. One of Napoleon Hill's sayings is, whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe, it can achieve. achieve. Mm -hmm. Part of it is seeing yourself. You have to believe in yourself that I can do this. You have to see yourself doing it. Then you have to take positive steps to acquire that. You can't just have wishful thinking and I hope I get on a big detail and no, how do you get on that detail? You've got to put yourself there. You got to be mm -hmm. the person at the right time at the right place. You have to know when that is and you have to plan for that. Um, Sometimes it's the elevator talk. You got 15 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Prove you know, yourself. You know, but, you know, so I would encourage people to map out a strategy. Um, I'm here. I want to get here. How am I going to get there? So I need to get this training. I need to do this. I need to do that. And there's sometimes realistic expectations. Uh, you know, you have to look at who you are and what you're capable of, your lifestyle. Do you have a family? You know, can you travel? Can you be away for extended periods? Uh, you know, are you able to uh, to do what you're wanting to do? I mean, is it practical? Um, all things considering. So that's some advice. That's yeah, no, that's great advice. Because if you don't think about those things before you start, this industry will take everything. It can take everything from you. It can consume you if you don't think about these things before you start, or you can sign on to do something that's going to require more than your life is set up to be able to sustain at least the way it is now. And you can find yourself in a place where you just it can be a really you I I. I've been in hotel rooms and behind stages. I remember one time I was getting suited up. I'll tell you this real quick. We're, we're getting to the last couple of questions, but I was getting suited up and I just got back from Iraq and I was putting my suit on. I was feeling good and I was getting ready to go out there. And I look in the mirror and I was like, ready to do this. And then the, the senior guys who'd been there, he's like watching me do this. <laughs> he's like, yep. He's like, feeling good? He's like, in about another year, you're just going to hate yourself. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> I'm like, really, man? And, you know, fortunately, the grace of God, my my mind is just like, pay attention. You know, message, you know, like, pay attention. He did that. He said that for a reason. And, uh, you know, it kind of got me to start really kind of paying attention and try to make the bet differently for me, you know. And then by the grace of God, I was able to do that. You know, but yeah, those are all great considerations. Uh, favorite quote, mantra, saying? I think what I just said, whatever the mind of man can conceive and believe it can achieve. Um, That's so good. That that impacted, you know, I and it's every class I teach, I put up a slide on Think and Grow Rich and I tell people, look, change my life, my mm -hmm. religion. Um, it impacted my life. Um, in such a positive way and it is a testament uh, you know I'm a C minus high school graduate former hippie ski bum who operates yeah. several businesses and I, I just crack up at myself I, I crack up uh, when I think about it I tell people I look at spreadsheets and say wow those are those are big numbers those are oh my god how did mm -hmm. here um, that's beautiful positive thinking 
Um, but also a, a lot of hard work, a lot of uh, planning, um, good fortune. But I, I tell people, you create your own fortune, too. Uh, yes. Uh, you know, you, you have to create your own fortune. Uh, you know, helping others, too. Um, like your podcast, I think it's it, it's a, a big help for people uh, in the industry. Um, Thank you. Able to, to see this information, um, bringing added value in whatever you do, um, and and that's why we 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 say within executive protection to bring the plus, uh, facilitate the needs of the client. You know, I like that. I think that's important for people to recognize. It's you're more than just a protector. You you know you can just be a protector, but then you're limiting yourself. Uh, bring added value to what you do and. Um, and I think you can't go wrong when you when you give you know you bring the plus so to speak. Bring the plus, that's a good one. I'm gonna use that one. You're gonna hear this. <laughs> you gonna bring the plus. You gotta bring the plus. That's good stuff. I love that. If there's, well, you kind of touched on it. If there was something you wanted the industry to remember you by, what would it be? Yeah, you know, I think as an easygoing guy. Well, one is I'm passionate about the industry. Um, yeah. Like to encourage people. You know. If you're, if you're in the industry in any part, and one thing I'm, I'm excited about the IPSB is the that we expanded it beyond executive protection. It's it uh, protective security it is there's a lot of added roles supporting yeah. intelligence as a, a, a big part of executive protection. Or you know you, you know I think there's many added values and and roles that that people have uh one is epi started our own driving program um i'm very passionate about that i'm a um, certified driving instructor and i i think that's an important aspect of of executive protection uh integral part uh we call it ep behind the wheel uh it's two disciplines that are coming together into one uh and it's important to recognize the importance of those two disciplines. And, um, you know, a lot of people on your podcast are, are into shooting. And, you know, how do we know how well we shoot? We measure ourselves. How well do we know we can drive? I, it's an underrated area. You know, people have a driver's license and, well, oh, I drive every day. Well, how well do you know you can drive? You know, it's, you know. We can measure that. We can we can put you in some exercises and measure your ability. So, like, if you're in the wheel or behind the wheel, or you rely on drivers, I you know I think it's important to recognize that important you know the importance of a driver training, uh, protection driving, uh, what a car can and can't do. I think that's uh, important. So. What would I like to be known as? Uh, just a good guy, uh, easygoing guy. Um, I try not to have any airs. I try to be um, just Jerry. That's why I, I crack people up. I like uh, having a good time and um, just uh, you know, I don't I don't think too highly of myself. I guess if if people want to look up to me or think, wow, I I did a lot of things and. Sometimes I crack up and I'm like, yeah, I've been around a while. That's why I've done a lot. Uh, but what I'd like to be known as is someone that was passionate about this industry, I guess. That's awesome. That's so good. I love it. 
that's, that's, there's so much good stuff in there, you know, and that's, that's awesome. Are there any daily rituals that you have as we wind down that you think make you a better person or a better protector? Not daily, but just rituals or things you do. Well, I'm a spiritual guy. I mean, um, I, I said it earlier, you know, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. So I think we're more than just uh, physical beings. So in terms of rituals, um, you know, I don't know about a daily ritual. I try to appreciate everybody. I try not to look down on people. Um, You know, you go to a foreign country and you have a driver and he doesn't look very smart, you know, and you want, does he have a driver's license? Oh, was he driving a camel yesterday or something? But <laughs> human, he's a human being. Yeah. He's got the intel for that place. I, I try to look into people's heart. Um, you know, I try to, and it's funny, Christian Wes and I were just talking about this when we had our board meeting. You know, he said, I've spent years sitting in cars with people in foreign countries. And, you know, he, he said, people are people. And I, I, I absolutely agree with that. Uh, been all over the world. I've worked with all sorts of people and I, I crack up with the exception of extremists, um, mm-hmm. people that are, people are people and I like people and I, I'm, I tell people I'm a people person. Uh, I, I, I look for the goodness in people. So I don't know about daily ritual per se, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. I'm just happy to be alive every day. Yeah. Be a people person, you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, I, I agree with you. I, as I, you know, as you gain, it's just interesting the type of experience you get here. You know, you get to do things people want to do, you get to be places people want to be, you get to be around places, people that other people think are the most amazing people. And you get to see that they're just people, <laughs> you know, and then you get to go on the, in this planet and you're, your perspective on people expands because you see all the different places, different ways people are living. And I, I understand that. And now you get in a cab and I'm, I'm this way. I mean, I'm a double psychology major, you know, like, like, like I, and, and I'm with you, you know, as a C student, as a jock, I went to war because I was so scared of going to college. You know what I mean? Like there was some noble stuff in there, but there really was an element of, no, I can't do this school stuff anymore. <laughs> like, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, um, I only went to school after I got back because I knew I had to face all my fears in life. And I, you know, you know I, I had to whip it on. But um, now there is a feeling you get into a cab or you get into a vehicle, or you, you know, you meet people. And I do, I look at them and I'm like, this is an interesting human. You know, like this person's got all the same kind of needs I have trying to provide for their family. And, uh, the experiences have really provided me with personally, like a more, I just, I feel like a, a, a more mature uh, um, perspective on people just because you get so much access and, and exposure over time if you survive the thing. Uh, so I appreciate hearing you say that because I, I kind of, I definitely share that with you. You know, it's, it's interesting. I can go on a rabbit hole about that. <laughs> you know, everyone's yeah, it's 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 good stuff. So yeah, be a people person. You know, don't just be so concerned with yourself and your detail and your mission, but remember that your mission is going to probably be just for anyone listening. Your mission will be as successful or unsuccessful as the people you can organize to get to work for you, to work with you in a collective effort, 
and the synergy that comes from those efforts will be what your your principal does or doesn't benefit from because you go going ahead and frustrate that host hotel hostess house staff at the venue your your fbo or something and the people are going to sink your ship <laughs> you know uh, i think an underutilized skill is people skills and i mm-hmm. besides that that as a protector you have to develop those people skills um it, it's so cool when when people facilitate you and, and they say, you know, Jerry, I don't normally do this, but I'm going to walk you to the gate, you know, so you can meet your client. And I've had clients ask me, Jerry, you're the only guy who meets us at the gate. How do you do that? And I'm like, people skill. I get people to help me. Um, and, and you typically by asking, you know, I said, you get more done by, you know, Hey, is it possible? One thing I share is, um, uh, you, you have to look at things from their perspective. So when you're advancing an FBO or a hotel, what's going on in their life, you can't, you know, for us, what we're doing is the most important thing. And our principal is the most important person. Right. In that hotel or that FBO, they're just another person, you know. Just so another client. You have to recognize their perspective and, you know, what can facilitate them helping you out of the ordinary a lot of times is appreciating them and asking, hey, is it possible I can key off this elevator? Is it possible I can do a plane side pickup? Is it possible mm-hmm. you could help me do this? And, um, uh, you know, people skills, um, I think, are critical in, in this mission um, of protection. Is, is in, and that's one reason, too, every, every time I get in a cab, or an Uber. Recently, I, I use Uber a lot. And so I always talk to the Uber driver. How's it going for you? Like Uber, you know, and what's going on in your life? Um, and what I'm working, my people skills. I'm just, I'm just. Uh, a little bit. My capabilities of communicating with somebody. So uh, it's fun. That's awesome. I agree 100%. Wow, sir, Mr. Hying, it's been it's been fantastic speaking with you. Is there anything? Um, I guess where you at and what you doing these days? Shameless plug time. Let the industry know anything that you got going down. You know. Well, it, uh, one thing we're excited at EPI. We just uh, trained um, uh, police driving instructors. We taught an instructor course for uh, police driving instructors. Um, we have a, a, a product that we, we use uh, called Easy Drift. It's uh, uh, teaching people skid avoidance, skid control, skid recovery. And, and EPI teaches a program. And uh, recently we were asked by several police agencies to teach them. So that's, that's pretty cool. And I think uh, it's something we're excited about too, teaching people on skid, skid avoidance, skid recovery. I mentioned we have a you know, our, our protection driving program. So we're pretty passionate about that. I'm just, uh, you know, the plug is, uh, I would encourage people if you're interested in doing executive protection and you're looking at um, various schools, check us out. Uh, like I said, we don't have any salesmen. We don't, we don't sell people. Um, we're EPI, we've been around a long time, 1978. We have uh, two major programs a year. Uh, those programs happen, and, and I tell people, "Year they're going to go or not go, you know, do or don't do." But check us out. You know, one I would encourage people to attend the 
Coast Protection Conference in December, put on by the IPSP. A lot of growth there, a lot of uh, networking opportunities. That's where people can do face-to-face networking is at a conference. And I, and I encourage people, when you go to a conference, don't, don't be shy. Don't be an introvert. Um, you you got to get out of yourself and you got to go up and say, hi, how are you doing? You know, I'm Jerry Hine. Who are you? <laughs> you know, like, um, you know, and if you're new to the industry or you're looking to get into the industry. Now, some people who are looking to get in the industry, they're hesitant to go to a conference where there's a lot of people that have been in the industry. It's the perfect place to go. It really is. Conference and to meet people and to hear stories and, um, and, and even to say, hey, I'm thinking about getting in the industry. You know, do you have any advice? Yes. Um, everybody there, most everybody's like me. They're passionate about it. They love sharing. They love introducing people to other people. Um, so I think you're, those watching your podcast, uh, you know, if you're new to the industry, go to check out the uh, IPSB. It's IPSB-board.org. I think is the uh, the organization, International Protective Security Board. Close Protection Conference is a, a one thing that we're doing um, this year. It's the uh, second weekend of December, I think. So I would encourage people to think about going to the conference if you haven't, if you've been. Uh, last year, I think we had more than 350. Um, it was big last year. We're looking to grow that, um, and we're looking to expand the organization beyond just having an annual conference. So we're looking at writing white papers and developing guidelines and uh, protocols for executive protections or standards, things like that. We're looking at mentoring new people coming into the industry. So, um, again, I'm excited. Uh, Hey, thanks for uh, the opportunity to be on your podcast about my my life uh and i love this profession i think that's uh you know i'm i'm very passionate about it and i i like helping people too um you know i like you know i'm always happy to help people uh sometimes people on linkedin will contact me hey uh can i send you my resume yeah, absolutely you know uh I, I always like when people ask before they send it uh yeah especially somebody's asking, Hey, can I, could you look at my resume? Absolutely. I'll look at it and tell you what I think. Um, um, I'm happy to help people. And so I would encourage people to, you know, get involved, uh, join the, there's different groups, executive protection lifestyle on uh, Facebook, uh, join that group. Um, be cautious about putting posts or being critical in posts. Sometimes people post a job, Hey, it's 20 bucks an hour. It's an event not EP. And so people, you know, some folks are like, Oh my God, I can't believe, you know, like make it easy guy. It's an, yeah. um, people need to get to get their feet wet. Um, yeah. you know, and also one thing I would encourage people is volunteer, um, mm-hmm. worship security. Um, I do a lot of that. And a lot of people come through our training because they're doing house of worship security. I think, that's awesome. I, you know, people that are armor bearers or the ministry of defense, <laughs> you know, <laughs> worship, um, you know, volunteer. And um, sometimes people come and say, hey, can I help out in some way? And, uh, and uh, sure, I got an event coming up. 
I'm full up, but jump in and get your feet wet. Um, so I think that's it. <laughs> Good to go. Well, it has been an honor and a privilege, as I knew it would. I really appreciate your insights. Um, there's just so much depth there and experience. I really appreciate you have like like I was saying, a grace and a humility and a, an easygoing, like positive, cheerful nature to you, Mr. Hying. And it, it's uh, it's been a, a pleasure to be able to spend this time with you. Um, and, and I really want to honor you for your work and and helping so many protectors and, you know, being an example to so many protectors and, you know, because uh, people, a lot of guys get wrong. They get kind of bravado-y and it's really seductive. I have compassion for guys that, that get, you know, slip into that, but it really, um, really makes me feel good when I'm able to join forces with an, an industry leader who has that same, that, that humility and is, you know, has the credentials. Yeah. You know, they have a right to be, you know, uh, to really feel good. If you feel good, but you show that you can feel good about yourself and what you've done and be passionate about what you're doing without having to act like, you know, you're the man or to look down on anyone or, or get caught up in any of those phantoms. So with all that having been said, I just want to say thank you. And it's been an honor and a privilege. Well, thank you for having me and, uh, appreciate you doing what you do in the, the podcast. I think, uh, I, I think it's a real service to our industry and uh, even your uh, executive protection lifestyle uh, Facebook group is amazing. It's growing and uh, I'm of it and like to, uh, contribute whenever I can. And uh, so thank you for doing what you do. And uh, we're going to see you in uh, December. Yes, sir. Well, I'm going to be having a baby in December as well. So if the stars align, you know, <laughs> I, 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 you should, you should. I, I'm planning on it, but I'm also going to have a baby, so we'll see how the whole thing goes. Um, well, is that your first? This will be my first. Yes, sir. Oh. That's going to happen. I'm Let gonna... me tell you this. That first year from being born <laughs> to being one year old, what an amazing amount of growth. I mean, they go from can't do anything to crawling around you know that first year take a lot of pictures and mm -hmm. spend as much time uh, you know with them I, I when my daughter was born I was on a uh, airplane or you know after she was born I had to fly to Bangkok 14-hour flight and I had to be over mm -hmm. a while and on the plane there was a young mother with a child and I wanted to hold that baby so much and even mm -hmm. times I got up and I said I'm going to go ask her. Well, that's kind of weird, isn't it? <laughs> <You know? laughs> um, it's funny. I used to tell this story and then my daughter came through our training program. So just out of habit, I told this story and my daughter's in, in the classroom, like dad, you know, are you telling that story? Really? <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. I'm, I'm happy for you. Kids are, kids are what it's about. Kids are the only thing that we have that are eternal. Um, you know, it's the only thing that, we produce that it goes on, carries on. So, wow. so our kids and family are, uh, you know, a major thing. That's why I encourage protectors, don't sacrifice family. Don't sacrifice your kids. Uh, make sure you spend time with them. And, you know, sometimes we travel, but, man, when you're with your kids, cherish those, those times. So, hey, once again, it was a pleasure being on this podcast with you. Yes, sir. Uh, very cool conversation. So 
look forward to seeing you again. I couldn't agree more. Thank you so much. And uh, I'll see you out there for sure. Hopefully in December. All right. Very good. All right. Bye now. Yep. Bye. Boom. Yo, special announcement. We've got the very first Protector Symposium coming up this November 15th and 16th. Check the website, Byron Rogers Motivation, for more information about it. You can purchase tickets there. It's going to be amazing. We've got Ed Caldron and Yosef Badu coming on to teach us some hardcore soft skills. Check it out. Get involved. I guarantee you won't be disappointed. We're going to have a great time leveling up as protector. So check the website, ByronRogersMotivation.com or ExecutiveProtectionLifestyle.com for all the details and to purchase you and your security detail, police department, or family's tickets out. Boom, and to support this podcast, go to executiveprotectionlifestyle.com and contribute to our Patreon account. That Patreon account is what helps me make this podcast possible contributing to this brand what we're doing here making it so that i can bring better guests on making it so that we can plan more events and just expand the contribution to the private security industry and also to make an america a safer place by teaching people how to protect themselves and the mindset behind that the lifestyle behind that you guys are already killing it one dollar a month five dollars a month ten bucks a month twenty bucks a month whatever you can do that you know you would probably just lose in the mattress anyway or spend on mcdonald's hey you want to put it towards something that's going to good use put it towards a podcast and get involved in our our patreon account at executive protection lifestyle.com if you want to find me that's byron rogers motivation.com um you know do whatever you can contribute whatever you can to that patreon account because it makes all of these things possible ladies and gentlemen so much love Thank you, thank you, thank you, and thank you for making those contributions. You guys rock. We're already doing amazing there, and it's just because of you guys. So thanks once again for those contributions. Boom. I hope you guys enjoyed that episode of Executive Protection Lifestyle Podcast. This whole entire thing actually just started off as a Facebook group that blew up and is one of the fastest growing, if not the fastest growing executive protection uh, Facebook group online. So if you haven't joined the Facebook group, join the Facebook group. Uh, Follow us on Instagram and check us out at executiveprotectionlifestyle.com. If you want to find me, that's Byron Rogers Motivation. Com, and I'm on all the social media platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook as well. So until the next podcast, y'all, stay sharp out there. And as I say it, one mind, many weapons. Talk soon. Out.